everyone, and welcome to Medicine for the Dead, episode number five. five. By far, my peppiest intro, I gotta say. Yeah, Pretty peppy. Much less breath. Breath. Yeah. Breath. 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 No sighs of uh, discontent and uh, worry that we're dumb and not going to say anything uh, oh. worthwhile. Oh, we are. Exactly. <laughs> but I wasn't sure what my character was yet. Now I've developed it, and it's got to be the high energy. It's Rory B. Bellis. Enthusiasm. This is 107.5 The Jam, and what we have next is some Hall & Oates. Speaking of which, so, who featuring are our you? friend Dustin. Yeah, what, what, what are we, we going to talk about today? What's the uh, point of this conversation? The point of this conversation today, well, Christian's chiming in like bright and early today. Yeah, I guess so. I, so I don't call awesome. him out. I won't you know, call him out later. We actually had a specific request for you to talk more. Like, that happened. Somebody was like, Christian should talk more. And not like like somebody I haven't talked to in years. We were talking about the, the podcast and what he thought about it because he listened to it. And one of his things was, they said Christian should talk more. I don't know how you should feel about that. but I think they said Christians should talk right. more. I think you just misheard. That sounds no. right. That's possible. That sounds, sounds absolutely possible. right. Anyway, I'll, I'll speak for all the Christians. There oh, go. there you go. All of them. Because you can. Praise him. Today's episode is about the fact that we made it to today's episode, which is fucking incredible, incredible. considering we didn't plan to do this thing. Oh, my God. I'm just shocked we're not all dead, to be honest with you. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's not enough listeners to like for someone to want to kill us. I'm not talking about murder. I'm just talking about making it through another day in this fucking hellscape. Uh, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> Foreshadowing for, for later. Debbie Downer. Talk about some some current events. But I wanted to say, I'm, 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 I'm digging the fuck out of this thing for the specific reason that I needed a new creative outlet in my life. Because music is gone. The impulse, the, uh, the creativity, the... Uh, what's it called on a gig when you make stuff up? Improvisation. Improv- yep. Improvisation. That I don't get to do anymore. I don't do it. So, I, it's, so, like, it's so far gone now that I forgot the word for it. <laughs> <laughs> But this is like this has become the new the new awesome thing in my life, and I think about it all the time, and I make notes about it, and I research things like the NIH for the last episode. <laughs> it's fucking great. So I'm very proud of us for getting this far. I agree. I think m- mainly because you're leading us, and that feels like a possibility <laughs> of disaster at any time. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. if you've ever met me, you know that like <laughs> the train can fucking derail at any second. <laughs> it's amazing you've kept your like this. Project has kept your attention. For five weeks. <laughs> I think that's I, actually that's more it. It's yeah. like BJ does a really great job at things that he cares about, and then the he it's just like there's other things. There are other things in the world. We discussed it that you do the same thing though. Like we're like hyper focused on one thing, and then something else comes up, and you're like into that thing, man. And the problem is, is I still care about the other thing, and so I just have massive guilt and depression over the fact that I'm not still doing it well. <laughs> like it's like there's like projects like sitting in my home that like for a second I was like I'm gonna do this better than anybody ever that has ever done this thing ever, yeah. and then for a little bit I'm like oh this is and I'm like, oh, wait, there's something shiny over there. And then now my entire life is just regret from those things I didn't <laughs> quite finish. Like, it's, it's so painful. And the cycle continues. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I spent most of quarantine waiting for it to stop raining so I can mow the lawn. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very Josh thing to do. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. So I think we should talk about how this thing started because that's my favorite part about how this thing started. So... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I've wanted to do a podcast forever, right? And I've talked to you about doing a podcast forever. You being you. Matt. Me. Yeah. People can't see your point on the radio. That's, that's fair. I was gesturing way like over the top. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Talked to Matt about a podcast forever. We're still forever. amateurs. Yeah, yeah fair. clearly. And I've talked to Josh about podcasts forever. And I've talked about podcasts with Christian forever. Who's an Who aficionado. A, a super fan. Yeah, yeah. super or fan. Or super listener. I think that's what they call us. And uh, 
one day, like all the stars lined up and like, I was just like, fuck it, let's do it. So I called, I called Josh, called Matt was already here. Like, let's fucking, let's try to do a podcast. And it was like, everyone was totally on board. So we figured it out. We got it together. Matt was here and we're like sitting around having a meeting about it. And Christian just walks from his shop to my shop. He's like, what are you guys doing? It's like, we're getting ready to do a podcast. He was like, I love podcasts. You want to be on this one? (laughs) (laughs) That is verbatim how that went down too. And what did he say? No. Well, and then we said, please. Yeah. And he was like, oh, you guys are fucking idiots. And then he, he showed up anyway. So yeah. it was cool. And then all of a sudden, this thing was born out of nothing. And it's been awesome. Yeah. And I think we all look forward to it. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, you guys I look do too, to the listeners. But it's like something to look forward to as well, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the. So we, to the listeners out there, so we tape on Tuesdays and we also release on Tuesdays. So we're always. A week ahead, and the the debates, which I'm sure we'll get to tonight, were on this last Tuesday, and all I could think the whole time I was watching that flaming pile of horseshit was, <laughs> why are we not just hanging out talking with right. each other? Because fuck whatever right. this is, I it was painful. We thought we were gonna have some substantive yeah. like discussion to go. Oh off no, there are things I want to say. Like, There's no substance. You in thought it. there was gonna well, be some. I don't know if we thought uh, that. I guess we hoped that yeah. there would be some like uh, yeah, yeah. adult discussion that we could kind of uh, adult diaper discussion. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, let's let's get into it later. Let's yeah, yeah. On we're on not quite there. Okay. There's, there's going to be lots right. of lots of fuel. To this is preview. Fire. This is yeah. the intro. Yeah. This yeah. is the preview. Yeah. I mean, everyone, on deck. If you're listening to this and like you know us, you know that that's just like. Ah! <laughs> I've pooped my t- pants twice already. You have. You have. Yeah. <laughs> in anticipation. So I, I think the, the the first part of this show should be the funny things that have happened in this show that have started to be re- reoccurring things that we didn't mean to do, but all of a sudden there they are. Turns out we're humans. Well, True, Five true. episodes and we're already having a retrospective. <laughs> I mean, that's how arrogant we are. <laughs> it's our five I episode mean, anniversary. We're also recording ourselves talking to each other. That's kind of the definition <laughs> of arrogance. I don't think that was in question. We when think we, we have something to contribute yeah, to the. When we have dialogue. a podcast, right? It's like, come on, like that is that's baseline arrogance, right? Yeah, we also crossed three hundred listens already. <gasps> three hundred and eighty-eight unique fans. <laughs> Or listeners, not fans. <laughs> They're they so unique. Been like single I, listeners, they're right. like, ah, you know what? I'm Never not going to listen to that again. <laughs> they have to wash the stink off of them before right. they go back to podcasting. Well, and four of them are us, probably. <laughs> uh, I've never listened to a single episode we've ever done. Because no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, no. The first one, I was the first ten for sure. Because I was like, well, it's out there. I just need to make sure it should be out there. <laughs> Did you listen on every device you own? Like, <laughs> no, I was just. I had a, like a long shop day, and I was like, what was the first episode? Like an hour and a half, something like that. Mm-hmm. I listened to it literally on repeat the entire day. So literally, like, fucking probably ten Jesus. times in a row, I listened to it. But that, I'm, 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 that's who. That's what I do. I'm, I like whenever I make something creative, I obsess over it. Mm-hmm. It's curation. Yeah. No, I get it. To make sure it, it should exist. Just like when you track a song and then you listen back and you listen back and you listen back again and yep. then you walk away from it for two weeks and listen back and then you put it in your car stereo and another stereo and that's all the shit you do before you even remotely let somebody else listen to it and then you still fucking hate it. Yeah. That's the way it should be. That's why you listen to it because you no, hate exactly. it. Exactly. So oh, <laughs> I fucking hate the sound oh, of my own. Oh, I'm, fucking so bad at it. Me. <laughs> I'm so bad at my job. <laughs> all right. So there's the sigh. The first, oh man! So whoa, 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 that, uh, no, that, no, that's it. That's, that's one of the things. I was going to transition into that. I think that we wanted to talk about some of our. We've, you know, we just talked about the fact that we listened to this BJ ten times the first episode. Yep. Myself probably multiple times all episodes. <laughs> uh, we've noticed some isms and yeah. some uh, character traits that we all uh, kind of project on this thing. He meant flaws. Well, yeah. what's what's ironic about you stopping Matt to make a point <laughs> is the first ism is that it. 
roughly 35 minutes of every interview episode, Matt calls out Christian okay, can <laughs> for I, not saying some smart can, shit. Can I bring this to the court? Can, is, am I allowed to, to if, state my case? And then, no, please, the court. Yeah, and, then, and refute as much as you like, but I'd just like to make this statement real quick. That is not intentional in the sense of the fact that I'm like, it's almost 35, like that. Nothing in that. It's my natural rhythm. Again, I'm the only one that has a clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the and, only one. And, and then the second element of that is the reason being is that I'm aware of the fact that if I feel strongly about something, I can't fucking stop saying the thing I think. And so that all comes out. And I'm just like, vomit thought. And so I start at the top of that, get to the end of it. And I'm like, oh, some time probably passed. I have no clue how much. Uh, And it was all me. And so I think about those things. And I'm like, somebody that hasn't talked and is probably going to have a better thing to say than me should talk really soon. And so that feeling will boil up in me. And then um, oftentimes, either Joshua Christian will receive me cueing them because I just and trying not to be that asshole. I'm this asshole. I just don't want to be all of that, right? <laughs> and so that's where that comes from. There is no malintent of any kind in that. No, I, I, I don't take it as that. And in, in fact, it's in, in most occasions, I'm kind of appreciative of it. Um, I think part of it is, is uh, and I guess I'll, I'll be the, uh, the spokesperson for the, the quiet, shy introverts, uh, that that's... that's who I am and what I've been and often I sit back and listen more than I say anything and I don't know most of the time I feel like people talk just to hear themselves talk and I don't want to be that person not saying that you guys Shots are I mean, <laughs> no, no, no. B- B- BJ I'll, I'll criticize about that Matt I don't know you well enough maybe uh, maybe that's just, who you are just, too just lean in just go but, for all um, of it but uh, the I appreciate that you 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 are paying attention and receptive to the conversation and the people in it and that you're, you know, uh, want to give us space for, for a voice as well. Um, at the same time, there are those moments where I just don't have anything to say. Uh, and, and I, it's like the teacher calling on you when you haven't done your homework. I know. <laughs> you know what's funny about that is I don't, I don't perceive that that's where you are in the moment, but I do, by your facial expressions, see moments that you would have commented on if had been... Uh, forced to, um, and I, 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 I'm cataloging that. Like I see you react to something, especially oh man, the economic discussion. Yeah. Well, no, uh, your fucking face in that was the best oh, thing I've ever oh, seen in my God. entire life. That was like the the most pure horror in the world. I was worried about I like worried too, Harry like, Carey. Yeah, yeah. Just gonna, just gonna <laughs> die. I, I mean, a lot we, of sharp we, objects we, in the shop. We all should have that face mm-hmm. listening to that conversation. And I mean, I think we we only like scratched the very tip of the iceberg. I mean, there you can still see part of the iceberg under that and then all the iceberg mm-hmm. you can't see under that. I mean, that's a big fucking topic and a big concern about our future that and know, maybe we aren't acknowledging it. And your face was a perfect representation yeah. of that. <laughs> which was a motivator for me to try to figure out what it was that you wanted to say, which is why... When the the problem is, is, I wait for the conversation to lull. I'm doing that like rhythm thing, and then maybe at that point we've moved in a direction where I'm calling on you when you aren't prepared to answer. Whereas it, you would literally have to backtrack to whatever it was that was you know well, I, doing I, the thing. I, I, yeah, again, I, I appreciate it, and I think not to say that I what I have to say is necessarily smart or worthwhile or important or you know, but I I do also think. Uh, it makes me think of a bigger conversation just in general, which we can kind of 
you know, uh, parlay. <laughs> well, uh, what revisit <laughs> revisit when we talk about some of the the other topic topics we'll probably talk about. But um, I think it's something about a shift in uh, how we appreciate the cult of personality and the loud voice and. Uh, we're swayed by, yeah, we're swayed by the loud, charismatic persons all, most of the time and sometimes don't give enough attention to the quiet things that are happening in the background. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was a, sort of relevant, uh, but, and again, I said I'm a super listener and this is a podcast that every, a lot of people listen to, but Malcolm Gladwell has a podcast, Revisionist History. Uh, and one of the episodes recently was about uh, elections, and I think he he specifically brought somebody in with uh, you know to talk about uh, what is it student council elections. Somebody did a study on this, and uh, how basically we just vote to the charismatic cult of personality and don't even bother to pay attention to like the platform or what people are actually going for. And if you want effective elections I, I apologize i can't remember the person who did the study but his his you know hypothesis and studies were aimed at you know suggesting that random uh selection was perhaps a better way of collect, you know selecting good leaders rather than the popular vote because it, it would have an equal or possibly higher percentage of success yes and part of it is that the the quiet, shy person who might be the more qualified person doesn't necessarily, and again, this is not a reflection on myself, or I don't necessarily know if I'm qualified or saying anything intelligent here at all. I but, only see presidential but material. The, in front the of point me right being now. is is that the uh, you know sometimes the quiet uh, the quiet person doesn't who doesn't want the spotlight isn't going to put himself in the the pool in the first place, uh, so nobody will vote for him because he's not a candidate. But then if he's randomly put in the position to be a candidate uh perhaps he's the better candidate i don't know i fucking i wasn't ready for like that level of intellect just yet usually we like warm up first with like fart jokes and stuff and then we get to like the heavy stuff yeah that's but why that's all not christian talking i know which is why i've been trying to get I know, christian to I know, talk I know, I know. which proves my fucking point i've been, I've been listening so to the feedback guys <laughs> He's had four episodes to prepare <laughs> while we're all just blowing our load constantly. Although, Josh, I feel like you're also fairly introspective on your comments. I mean, too. I just try to pick my spots. I don't, it's similar. Like, I don't feel the need to speak just to speak. You know, it's if I have something to say, I'll say it. And yeah, I look for my cues and look for my spots and I'll get them in. Somebody brought that up, to, somebody else brought that up separately. And I was like, that Josh acts, he's acting exactly like Josh acts in a conversation. <laughs> Unless it's just the two of us. And then, well, we recorded one of those the other night. Mm-hmm. And that was a different experience entirely. Because yeah. when we, it's just the two of us, it's a lot louder. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were also getting ready for the shit show, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, there was already so much frustration and then the news that they, the news, quote unquote, news that they tried to break right before that debate. Again, we'll, we'll get oh, into yeah. all that. I even read that in a special voice. <laughs> so wait, wait, hold on. Before we get to that, though, there was a, there was a subtopic inside what you guys just talked about. Okay. And something that Matt and I realized after the last episode is that he and I, being a bass player and a drummer, have a relationship where we can actually like we don't need to look at each other or we just need to hear each other speak. And we have like our natural cadence. We fill each other's gaps because. They're like, our relationship. Do you? No, giggle. Yeah. Giggle. Yeah. Cause, 
Because my brain was already giggling. Uh, well, <laughs> All right, so you do it. No, do there's, it there's like, it's almost like what Darren was talking about, or Darren and Eric were talking about, where like, you know, a good rhythm section will like, will, if somebody's got more to say, the other one will just be quarter yeah, notes behind it and space. vice versa. Exactly, yeah. And we do that naturally. And it, like, we, we actually positioned Christian in a better spot tonight because we realized that Matt and I don't need to see each other. And it's not like, it's not a slight at you or him. It's, it's that like, we literally don't need to look at each other. We can just like hear each other and know where the cadence is. Well, and I think the audience doesn't realize the perspective you have when you edit this BJ, but you can literally look at our sound waves and be like, here is uh, your or my sound wave. And then like a millisecond later, <laughs> the response to that. And then the reply. And it's like, it's gritted, but not on purpose. Like we, oh, no, yeah. we don't work it out. It's just, I mean, we're, I guess we're recording this to a click. No? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's all to a click. Matt and I have an intellectual pocket that we hang in. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm I wouldn't also, call it intellect. I'm also going to contribute um, as the, the, now, I do have some musical background, but uh, the musical layperson, uh, or at least, you know, sound engineering Pedestrian layperson. is the preferred ah, nomenclature. you're going to do that. <laughs> Fuck um, all you guys so much. Um, I, I am very, was very unfamiliar with the editing software, and when I came in to help BJ edit the first day, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things you're kind of aware of intellectually, but like until you actually like see it in, in front of you in yeah, practice, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much you can manipulate sound on a recorded track uh, is kind of amazing, and it makes you revisit everything you've ever right. heard in your life. <laughs> And think about how much it's been edited. You that, lose faith in humanity in a certain sense, just like slowing down our speaker of the house to make her sound drunk whenever you post a clip on the internet. Well, and, that's, and, that's and, a very big thing. And the frightening thing, in addition to just the existing technology and ability to manipulate what's said and what's heard, um, I, I was listening to another uh this was on NPR, but they were talking about uh, the the uh, deep fakes and um, the just completely you know fabricated sounds uh, where you know you can just I mean I remember the first one was it Google that put this out where they uh, I think it was Keegan Michael Key or uh, where they uh, type something in and they sh- you know played an audio clip of him saying it but it wasn't him they just recorded a few sounds from him and then like their program can manipulate and oh, yeah. use those consonants and vowels and soft and hard sounds and basically reconstruct a sentence and literally uh, putting words in his mouth and yeah. uh they were saying this person who's an expert at, you know on this uh was saying that we're about to break that uh, do, you, do you guys know the, the, the term uncanny valley? I don't know. Uh, it's, it's a term referencing, uh, like think of it like a computer animation movie where uh, they try to portray or stylize a human being where they just haven't quite gotten it right. It's, it's really close. They look very realistic, but it's just the movements are a little off and they seem just can a I give creepy. Can I give a little anecdote inside of that? Sure. Just, just to... <laughs> That's what we're doing here. The isms, man. So I played in a I played in guitar one time with my band, the, yeah, the, yeah. the Middle East country, and there was a, a club called Rock Bottom. Right? There's also one in Bethesda, Maryland. We've all been to it, and we went to this club, and it was like it's supposed to be an American like bar, and everything was just a little off. Like it would say like rock roll music, very good. 
Right. You right. like whiskey. We like whiskey too. And everything was just like not quite what it's supposed to be. So like, yeah. It's like, huh. It's like being in a cartoon. <laughs> so anyway, that's that. It's funny that that was your reference. My reference was the scene in Ghost. <laughs> Where he's getting ready to be taken up into the light, and it's like clearly he's animated, and he went from being real to animated, and you're like, "That's not real." Bullshit. My my night my my nineteen my nineteen eighty six child brain. Ghost. <laughs> my nineteen eighty six child brain was like hundred percent not real. Patrick Don't believe Swayze it anymore. I was on board up until that point. Patrick Swayze somewhere is slow clapping like, <laughs> yeah. God damn it! I hated that scene, dude. <laughs> Pancreatic cancer, my. Uh, but but no, that is that is <laughs> so, that is a good point, right? But like, so where, where he was going with that is yeah. is that that we're not we're at this point we're really not that far away where that uncanny valley is is going to get get surpassed and it's going to just be undetectable. That's like you're not going to be able to that's d- differentiate reality from you know fabrication. Uh, that is, that is legitimately terrifying though, because oh. then you can't. You can't trust anything. As long as we can hold out for the rest of the year. I think is that all? Just this year? This just one this year? This year, I can't handle it. This all year. spoken by people who don't have children. Right. So that is like, dude, it's, it's fucking terrifying. Like, I'm, I'm going to die probably soon because of coronavirus with all the fucking drinking I've been doing. But like, <laughs> I have a six-year-old and a nine-year-old that have to survive this hellscape. And I am goddamn terrified for both of them for those reasons. This idea that, who, what do you even trust at that point? Well, also, I've got to I got to go to the beginning of what you said, and like you just every audio audio engineer in America in the world is like, finally, someone realizes what we have to do, because I've edited a million podcasts, and like the level of editing you saw is the least of the oh, editing. Yeah. I I recognize that. I've, I mean, I've I done a couple that. like four hour podcasts where I had I got like a sheet of edits that was like seventeen pages long, and it was like at one minute, one second, fifteen milliseconds. 15 millimilliseconds, there's a slight point at which they... I would like you to cut out three and a half frames. Yeah. <laughs> three and a half frames with this. And I've also done an ADR session for a movie that had no set audio and a bad script. So I, like the, the, the level of minutia that audio engineers have to go to to like create a, a, like a final product, even though it's led to this you know, alternate world where we're all going to die. But as long as you're acknowledging that audio engineers have to work very hard. It's an well, that's all that matters. I, I mean, I, I think that just for, again, some like, you know, pedestrian, uh, not lay person. Uh, you never live in that damn perspective on this. Listen back to that podcast, um, everybody. I did not say that condescendingly. I, I, not even close. I mean, although my wife also called me out for it. But no, still. it was genuine. I just made it nefarious I as fuck. I hate awesome. you guys so much. So, so yeah, so, so pedestrian perspective on that is, is that, and, you know, we're, we're, we, we recognize that we've been giving you like little glimpses into our lives and our personalities. Uh, but one thing Beej and I both mentioned is we, we separately. That was your first Beej, by the way. You've joined the club. We're friends now. Did I? (laughs) I will never call him that. I actually think I was trying to say exactly. BJ, so that wasn't really an intentional BJ. <laughs> He's but, just wasted. But I'll, I'll give it, it to you. I'll give it to you. We're friends. Uh, <laughs> quote, oh, quote. He, he air quoted the, the fuck out of that. Friends. We should, we should but, just go ahead and acknowledge our, our liquor per, per show. This is Monkey Shoulder, the original blended malted scotch whiskey. So as we slur, uh, you know what? What was the teque- tequila we did last time? Uh, Mockingbird? Es- es- Espelon. Yeah. Es- 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 Espelon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I missed that. But so BJ so didn't. <laughs> when I came, when I came to help BJ edit the first time, 
yeah, the perspective I was giving you, or context I was giving you guys is that uh, we both have separately furniture businesses or furniture fabrication businesses mm-hmm. where, I don't know, not getting into that, we can have another conversation about that but um whole other podcast really. whole other podcast about that but uh you can sponsor a second it's one of those yeah. professions where your laundry list of things to do is uh the encyclopedia britannica times two and so you're constantly you know stressed about all this other shit you have to do and uh so to contextualize that uh knowing we came down and very superficially were like, let's quickly get all the ums and likes and dumb things I say uh, out of this podcast. And uh, so I know that that wasn't your front burner project for the day. And well, well, or maybe no. it was, but no, not but like, in, con- in comparison to like, you know, the things you're getting. We're not getting paid for this yet, guys, yet, yet guys. So yeah, yeah. I like that yet. That yeah. was hopeful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very optimistic. But like another thing with like with podcast editing and editing in general, I like I am wholly opposed to a disingenuous like perspective, right? Exactly. Like I will not allow anything that I ever make to be not what it is. Yeah. Like you're 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 basically like when you guys hear these podcasts, it's not like there's essentially nothing removed. I've removed like one thing, because one guest actually asked me to for legal reasons, and that was the only thing that I've actually removed. Everything else has just been like the beginning of the thing, the end of the thing, the bullshit didn't need to be there. But like the content of the conversation is literally as it happened, and I might remove some space every now and again. And that's how it should be done. Right, because he, so BJ is making this point. You can take somebody's sentence and tighten or loosen the gap between two words and change the intent entirely. You can turn a statement into a sentence or or a question, or you can turn a question into a a statement just by manipulating the distance between a pair of words. And you can change intent that way too, totally. Oh my God, yeah. yeah. Or just take one word out. One thing that prefaces something and suddenly you sound defiant or arrogant, whereas before you were trying to offer an idea and then wait for feedback. And the fact that that happens in music too, like so, so BJ and I, while both being musicians, have also worked as engineers musically as well. And I will run into these situations as an engineer where people are like, oh, well, you can just fix that, right? I'm like... Well, yeah, but why don't you fucking just fucking right play it? First time, like, yeah. just play it. Well, you also make the assessment in the moment. You're like, yeah, right, yeah. You, some people can't just play it. Yeah, it's also <laughs> like, we've, we've, we've done this long enough for you. None can't. of the clients we've actually worked for, you all were great. <laughs> I, great. I, my, my, like, actual, like, really producing engineering career is, like, farther enough away where I can say this. But, oh, like, damn it. You, sometimes you can, you can assess a musician or somebody, like, a. It doesn't, it's, it's, it's interchangeable to any industry, right? Like you assess a person if you're a professional at the job and you can go, all right, I know what you can and can't do. And you make decisions based off of that. That's like the first thing you should really learn in whatever you're doing, yes. especially if you're in, char- in charge of like creative decision making. So in the moment, if, if I'm producing somebody or if I'm like a, a drummer comes in and I realize what they can and can't do, the first thing I do is we'll try to sculpt their parts to what they can do effectively, yeah. remove the stuff that they want to do but haven't really pr- perfected the execution of yet. And then... Go back you know, in and record it yourself. <laughs> it's happened, but it's not something that I want to do. You know, it's usually uh, for the sake of the, I did that. I've done it too. For a band that was uh, produced by Gary Katz, the guy who produced Asia with Steely Dan. Well, Steely Dan sucks, so. <laughs> I hate that that's your stance because, first of all, it's yeah, a bad wrong. Stance. It's a bad stance. <laughs> And second of all, you only feel that way because you got like all kinds of feelings about music that has notes in it. Beach, I'm in your your camp. (laughs) He just beached you. 
Okay, there's, oh, that gets us to a a thing we were talking about earlier. So there's this um, jazz musician camp and the rock musician camp, and Steely Dan pisses off both of them. And I I do do love that. And that's part of the reason why I like that band so much. I I will qualify my Steely Dan statement, though. So my dad was a drummer. That's where I got, like, the drumming thing. Well, my dad, my uncle. And uh, he used to play Steely Dan, like, fucking all the time. Like, like every live audio engineer at every uh, sound check. Pretty much. Ever. Yeah. So he made me like it just like it just put a bad taste in my mouth about the whole thing. And then after he died, I, I had to go back and like I would have like, well, I'm just gonna be in a, I'm just gonna be sad today. And like Neil Young is the first one that comes up and it's like, well, I'm just gonna cry about this. And then I would be like, fine, listen to Steely Dan. And then like forcing myself to feel bad about myself while listening to Steely Dan, it was like, well, it's really it's kind of a good band. I mean, it's. The songs are pretty good, and the musicianship is really top notch. Considering it was all the tape, and it was just like single take kind of a thing, and then and then instead of that, I'm like, well, the the, mel- the melodic structure of the things and the chord choices are really, really impressive. And the, I guess I like Steely Dan, and that's a problem <laughs> for me. And well, I guess life is just going to have to go on from here. <laughs> so that's like I, finding I, out that you you like have a, a just like an entire life proclivity that nobody's going to accept. Like right, right. That moment right there. <laughs> For you completely, like, how can you be mad at Steve Gadd? Like, that you're a drummer. Like, come on, man. I know, and I gave Steve Gadd mad props at the fucking at the two episodes ago. <laughs> this is true because Steve Gadd's true. a fucking monster. Yeah, he's on Asia. That's a Steely Dan record. That's a thing you got to deal with. I got to feel a way about that. Thing. Ah, <laughs> which brings us to our next dizzle. Uh, so we, we need like a buzzer. You got to put that in with your editing. Well, so yeah, so I just want to go back to what you were. Where you were going with that? Like, okay, you know, go ahead, go ahead. No, you you were you were going with that. So, oh oh, the the jazz yeah, versus yeah. rock camp. Okay, so I we were having we just, this. I thought we just went there. Well, yeah, but I just said something flippant to be cute. But um, which by the way, I just want to point out. Do you, do you like do you like how I turned the tables and put you on the spot? Oh yeah, but it didn't work because I'm totally all right with talking. <laughs> I just won't shut the fuck up. Bring that up. God damn it! You can't shut me up, Christian. This doesn't work in reverse. Yeah. We now you got him talking again. Uh, Shit. Ah, God Matt, damn it. Matt now I'm self-conscious. That worked. Well, that worked. You also so, got to realize job, Matt and I don't right. feel bad about anything ever. Like, we're just like, oh, I'm here in oh, the world. But no, no, no. The, I feel bad about everything ever, and then I just live there, and I'm all right with it. You don't feel bad about anything ever. Ah, remorse is for pussies. Man. <laughs> So many things I'm not going to say. I did want to redirect the conversation. Okay, go ahead. With go ahead. that, and the, back to where we were, in that you were talking about, we were talking about the the ability to manipulate and the uh, the the power of edit, um, and I guess just in general, like you know, initially I was talking about just audio texts, uh, things people say, podcasts, you know, or is that really the conversation that's happening? How do they change it? How do they alter it? Going back to music, you guys are talking about how you can take out certain certain notes or things and sounds. And There's a lot you can do. There's yeah. a lot, you, a can lot do. you can't do. But <laughs> the, 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 the concern or thing, you know, that I've been thinking about a lot in the pa- over the past few years is, is this notion of of genius and this this standard that we hold ourselves up to against this ideal of perfection that is actually just a manipulation and Ooh. whether it's like intellect whether it's yeah. creativity whether it's skill um that's a solid i point. i I, uh, I studied uh art in college uh so I, I do have a background in the visual arts and th- this is this is definitely an issue in that world where you have these these quote unquote art stars 
uh, and we, we still think of art in terms of, you know, late 19th century to, you know, middle 20th century artists. And we think of this like soul, uh, tortured artist in his studio slaving over his 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 you know creative practice and then you look at modern or like contemporary creative practices and whoever the artist is I'm not going to you know go into any names specifically but basically we think of him as this genius artist but in reality it's genius artist dot llc or dot co it's like a company of a slew of people who are actually behind the scenes working on it and we we fetishize this idea of the one person doing it or the 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 standard of perfection that doesn't really exist i was just gonna say it's a similar thing with like pop music and and all that stuff is there oh pop music's the worst well i I know i know there's an issue with 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 the actual writers of songs where we think of the one person but really it's like 50 people yeah, in think, a room, you think you know, of the singer, whether going it's back like and forth Miley and Cyrus or whoever, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Miley Cyrus. I think she's got an incredible voice, but I'm sure she hasn't written all her I will music. I will back her the fuck up actually. Does she? I've gotten a couple a couple I've spoken to a couple of people throughout the years who have worked with her like directly, mm-hmm. and apparently she is a motherfucker at the studio. Yeah, she shows up, crushes it, and then leaves. Good for her. Like 100 percent professional. Everything that she does on the thing is just like it's an act. It's a way. It's a way to. Sure. I think I think Britney Spears would be a better example because yeah. Miley Cyrus is just the first. She person ain't to come got in nothing. To no, offer. Britney Spears is a great example. That's Simon Cowell, right? He didn't he produce her? No, I, I actually know. have no idea. I, I, maybe I'm wrong about that, but I know that there's this lineage like the Backstreet Boys. Um, uh, uh, Britney Spears, I, and I could be drunkenly misremembering, but like there is definitely some connection there. And um, like where you're going, I, 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 I like this idea of the artist, whether or not they wrote the song, and that is not a new phenomenon. No, that's not a decades yeah. old phenomenon. That's a 60 year yeah. old phenomenon just for pop music. Not longer, yeah. Like if you know the name Phil Spector and you don't just know it because he went on trial for murdering his wife, <laughs> like Great think hair. about the fact that in 63, the Crystals released um, their hit, like they had this hit. To do Ron Ron. I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys like that's yeah. pretty, you know, do, ubiquitous. Run, run, yeah, exactly. Run, run, run. So so you can call that out of thin air, right? <laughs> You're gonna three BJ, BJ three incredibly <laughs> strong um, uh, singing, uh, you know, African-American women. They didn't write the song. Mm-hmm. They didn't record the song. They didn't produce the song. That was all Phil Spector. He also had complete control over their career so much to the, to the point where when they decided that the tiny amount of money they were getting for how big of a hit that was, they were like, well, we're not going to do this anymore. And they, he was like, all right, cool. And he hired three other black mm-hmm. women to come in and be the crystals and put them right out on the road. And we didn't fucking know. The people didn't know. So there's this weird element to art and 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 music and I would have known if I was around in this. Well, but, but at that time period, there was no internet. There was no. Right. You you would show up. You you'd it would sound. You know you'd come to the the band playing live. <laughs> ah, I'm so angry. I'm knocking shit over. But not, but not to fuck with that thing though. Like it, like it, at the end of the day, the end result is sort of like that's almost irrelevant. Like the the, the if it takes a team of people to make a thing that's amazing, cool. Like, no, like yes. it's, it's like, not about it not being okay. I mean, that's taking that team. Situation. It's just, yeah, it's like, I, th- I think, but the industry has been built in a way that leans so hard to whoever figured out that that was important enough right. to to brand it. Like, we wouldn't have rock and roll if there was no Chuck Berry, mm-hmm. and Chuck Berry is not a millionaire. So how is that right? 
How does anything about that make any fucking sense? And, and it has to do with the fact that he would never have been on the radio if Alan Freed hadn't offered to let him ha- himself have a writing credit on Maybelline so he could spin it on the air because he was black and white radio wasn't going to hear that. that. I mean, like there, there's, there's elements to the industry that are built into how it began that speak to the thing that we're talking about that, that have never been made equitable, ever, ever fucking ever. And as it's crumbled before us with the internet, a lot of us, we all thought like, yeah, fucking control, fuck the record labels. But now it's just people fucking us. Help. Spotify, <laughs> people still make money at Spotify, but it's not the fucking people well, making the music. That's it's kind the whole of... thing. And I was just told not to touch the table anymore. Well, don't slam the table because... I stupidly put my mic on the fucking table. Oh, that was a bad. And call. this is going. Boom. Oh, <laughs> anyway, spike, spike, spike. <laughs> anyway, there, there, there is. Um, you're right. It takes an army of people, but it is not the one person who is at the top who can sign the checks and hand them down that deserves the money. Oh, for sure. Not, I, but it's like the way. The, like, not the way it's laid. You're out. also not going to get like like having like I was in a, a band for a, a lot of years, right? And there was a there was a moment where we tried to like really do the push and put a bunch of money towards the thing and like really like went into that er- yeah, that, yeah. that arena, mm-hmm. right? Walked into there and like went to the things and paid money to get to the things. And when you're in there, it's like it's a whole thing that you don't realize exists until you're in the you're in that moment. Of course. Whenever it's like all it's like it's just it's a fucking strange like fame and fortune in the music industry is just a really bizarre world it's, it's a machine it's a machine Absolutely. but it's also it's, it's it's also it's it's not a machine in like the traditional sense there's no like right you can't just like this plus this equals this oh god you gotta like it's a it's a fucking weird river you gotta like finagle your it's way a up machine to. it's yeah. a slot machine it's a slot machine and we, you fucking you you throw your nickel in and you pull the lever and then you might not get what comes out of that but the person that sits down you after throw you a will get it shitload <laughs> of oh, nickels yeah. in like a yeah, million yeah. nickels and then you get your your chance Dude. to like have your say but like yeah you show up at the party in LA with RuPaul and then that's what oh <laughs> are we just airing our musical grievances oh right my now? god <laughs> i think that's <laughs> well, where no, this I went know, like that should we we should maybe should we rain it well <laughs> i was kind of wondering if if we're turning this podcast into a socioeconomic podcast or you know because we're uh the, the word money comes up, the word <laughs> slot machines, like everything is kind of equating down to like this money topic. Maybe Almost that's just what it, that word. what it is though. No, I don't think that's a, I don't, I don't think that's the, the, it's not a socioeconomic podcast. I think those are just the natural conclusions of the conversations we're having, which would yeah. sort of imply that it's a socioeconomic <laughs> podcast. Well, now <laughs> this is from the perspective of, of four people who are, are, are on a certain rung, almost all kind of equally. We all sort of live in a socioeconomic rung that is approximately the same. Um, so our inequities are, are about the same, and the people that we feel like we are better off than is about the same. So we kind of come to terms with that pretty regularly and in the same place. And we definitely pay the same amount in taxes. Um, as the president, <laughs> right? $750 dollars yeah. a year. We pay more than the president does. Yeah. But like to, to, to Christian's point, I don't, I don't think this is a socioeconomic podcast. I just think like by like pulling enough strings, you see what's actually wrong in the world. And what's actually wrong in the world is socioeconomics. Well, or, that, or that's a yeah. symptom of what's yeah, wrong. Yeah, I think that's them. you know kind of where I'm going with that is like you know you're hearing you talk about uh, who are the backup bands and the the backup singers. You were just telling that story. Oh uh, no, I was talking about oh so the Crystals were yeah. they were the they were the ladies on the front so, of the album cover who so, got fired because they wanted more money. Yeah, and I I so 
recently I, w- I was just listening to a story about I think it was Tom Waits who had to sue Sunkist because <laughs> you know going back to where we were talking I about I love this story. I don't care how it ends Go- but I like how it started <laughs> going back to where we were talking about, talking about deep fakes and the ability mm-hmm. to edit sound and basically they approached Tom Waits and asked him to do a jingle or something for their you know some marketing campaign and he's like no because he's got you know because he's Tom integrity Waits. and he's more importantly because he's Tom Waits that's yeah. the and, only reason and instead, they basically just fabricated a artificial voice that sounded almost exactly like Tom oh, Waits yeah. and just did the commercial anyway. And I don't, I don't know if you've ever listened to like uh, or watched like a broadcast of a baseball game, but all the music that goes like when they go to commercials and things like that, it's always some. It's like a song you've heard before, but it's a song you've never. I've heard been before. on those sessions. I've been yeah. on those sessions yeah. too, where it's yeah. actually like a rewrite. Like they're like, "Hey, they said no, so we're going to redo this song mm-hmm. in this way." Yeah. Literally, and they have you. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how this experience has been for you, but they you do a sound alike. Was it? Was you, the, did you do it in this city? No, this was in Charlotte. Oh, okay. Um, so you, you do city. a sound alike. You literally like a karaoke track, right? You play it down, and then they go, "All right, how's the least amount we can change this to make it work?" Right. And then they go back and they have you replay your part, and you move your you play the fifth of the chord or you uh walk down instead of up and then they literally just change the melody by three notes in one direction or another and that's it, that's it. like they they sound like at first to get the grit right i've got a warning for that too young artists when you're in the, the fucking you're in the studio right and the producer's there and he's like i think we should put a b flat in the chorus do not let the producer put the b flat in the chorus because you know what happens when he puts the b flat in the chorus the producer gets a song writing credit, credit. And you lose a percentage of your song. Yeah. Don't fucking do that. <laughs> so here's the deal. Sometimes it's a really good idea to put that big flat in there. Some dudes know what true, they're talking about. True. And That's the, the, the shitty thing about the industry. If it's, if it's a good relationship with a good producer who's got good intentions, totally fine. Oh, yeah. And those are things you know right away. <laughs> Definitely when you're like 18 and they sign you. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm young and unexperienced, but... For sure, B flat, not a thing. <laughs> Just use a B; it'll work. But okay, again, this Walker, is all like anyway. people taking advantage of the situation to greedily make more money. Yeah, mailbox yeah. checks are. Whether it's the producer who has the B flat, or it's the you know producer who fabricates Tom Waits' voice, or. It's a predatory... The president of the United States. <laughs> yeah, so maybe we, what did should, I say? maybe we should address the elephant in the room because it's come up a number of times. What? The, what? Debates, the, the debates? The debates? I know I you're, was, you're no, uh, no, dying. No, no, I was just talking about, about the, the predatory on. nature of like our society in terms of... Well, that's capitalism, right? Yeah. Like everyone's, going to, everyone's trying to make money, especially in the arts. Yeah, but capitalism doesn't, it doesn't have to be unethical. That's the fuck. It doesn't have to be, but it definitely always fucking is. <laughs> that that makes me sad. Yeah. It well, makes, like, like makes me about, sad and poor. There's yeah. there's there's <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's money to be made, right? Like artists generally aren't that business savvy. And then what is that? That just provides. That just like it's an open market for people that right. are predatory. So then, uh, like, the, but like you need that. You need someone who's business savvy. Yeah, it could be mutual. It could be if yeah, if everyone's intentions aren't nefarious. But it's not but, just music. It's anything. fucking well, everything. I mean, like the vis- again, I'm going to go from the visual arts, that mm-hmm. angle, because that's where I'm a little more familiar. Mm-hmm. Like there's a whole issue these days with the secondary auction market where the artists, contemporary artists that are still alive are selling their work in the galleries and then it's immediately going up on the auction block where it's like making millions more than it was. Yeah. Tra- you know, exponentially like higher, you know. It, it goes back to what Porter was talking so, about in episode two of this podcast is... Uh, 
that the person who works the hardest never gets the money for it. No. Yeah. It's always the people who are getting screwed over that are working the hardest. Well, and the fucked up thing about that is that's probably not really true, right? There are some people who are who are well, at if, some level if, at the top that did bust their ass. Sure. And that's where the inequity comes in. It, it, when, when you, because that's that's the thing we're having, the problem we're having with, with people who consider themselves like sort of upper middle class conservative voters that are like, I'm doing well. Like my, my situation's working out well. I want to vote for this guy. It's working for me. Seems to me like you're against my interests. And it's like, you know what? In a way they're right, but in a way they're also like, they're so far down the ladder they're just not right. – they just have enough to be okay. But it always, they don't realize that their job is like the, the gas always has to get pumped. Right. You'll be fine. Right. And, and that, that's, <laughs> the, that's the shit that makes me frustrated in all this. I mean, is how to reach those people right. and us all band together with pitchforks and stab. <laughs> well, I was, was going to say, like, to add on that is it always seems like the people who, you know, were born on third and think they hit a triple are the ones who – are the more predatory and always seem to lean in, you know, the direction of pulling up the ladder behind them type of stuff. But the people who are, <laughs> Those are all, both really good analogies. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the people who are, who build their empires from the ground up are much more philanthropic and, or is, tend to be much more. Is that so? So you're probably right, or at least I, I I'm feel just, like I'm, you're right. It feels I mean, like an. Ob- I'm making an yes, observation. exactly. And I, I feel like we don't have any statistics. Like, it's, it's, well, it's, you're right. It's it's fucking like it changes the, the way the generation that works works hard makes yeah. the money right the, uh, initially. The next generation is garbage and squanders it, and generation after that goes, oh, you guys suck. It does. What and you're pre- generalizing. That's not I, I necessarily true. Yeah, but it's like that's generally the case. Like I've seen a couple of cases in, in places that I may or may not have worked in the past where nepotism <laughs> is the literal downfall of the organization. Yep. Like America. Uh, a couple oh. more specific examples I could burn. Think of. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, like, ah, uh, why not? <laughs> There's the place I used to work, and the kids of that company were the worst thing that ever happened to that company, and I like got to watch it firsthand. While I was also a nepotistic quality that country, my, my dad worked there too. So I worked with my dad basically doing nothing because you didn't have to. Didn't have to. Yeah. Also, he was really bad at managing and people. And I was just kind of like, I, I don't care about the things you're offering me to do. So I'm just not going to do them. But more importantly, the people above me and the, the, like, the ownership of the company, like their kids came in and just fucking ruined shit. Like, you're, first of all, you're a terrible person. Second of all, you're really bad at this. Third of all, you're surrounded by people who are better at your job than you who didn't get the job because of you. Well, it's just because you can't, like, empathize. Again, it comes back, it comes back to empathy. empathy. It's always coming yeah. back to empathy. I was, I was thinking that, yeah. yeah. I mean, you look at, you know, the difference between, like, a Warren Buffett and a Elon Musk or, <laughs> a, you know, yeah. Wait, are we, are we shit-talking Elon Musk? Because Christian and I had a, a philosophical debate about him the other day. Ooh, can you can. Uh, please enlighten us? Well, this, <laughs> well yeah. Let's. I'm not an Elon Musk-like. Here, here's the whole thing. As Christian <laughs> said, like, his, his stance on this was bad, and I was like, that's okay because now America's back in space. And, like, certain people, like, I don't care if you're an asshole, but you're, you're like, what you've provided to humanity is larger than your position on something that I don't care about. What? Well, Provi- care about, not like, providing a living wage and forcing your workers to go back to work during a global pandemic. Those are, oh, those are admirable did, yeah, qualities. Yeah. Yeah, no, I that's, 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 that's the, uh, <laughs> that's, that was kind of the argument I was making. Yeah. And EJ just kept going back to, well, he's putting people back but in space. space. 
And I, 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 I can't God, I look bad now. He, I shot, a, he I, shot a car into space. That's really I fucking can't cool. Remember. Which is really important to me. <laughs> well, and I, I, I guess I'm going to, I'm going to bring, and I apologize. I can't remember which logical fallacy uh, you were using. Well, no, we there were a lot to, of them. No, there were a lot it, of them. It, it ended with you. Like you were like, you used a lot logic, a logical fallacy to like have that conversation. And I was like, you're right. And I know that. And I guess that in itself is you winning the conversation because we both realized that's what happened. And, I, and I'm okay well, with that. But I think that where I'm going with this is that that's the point is is that these are the types of of these logical fallacies are often the types of arguments people are making that just shut down the argument in the first place. And it's not about winning or you know right. trying to resolve the argument when you when you put this basically a logical point in there that's you know kind of distracting the actual argument. Like there's no argument anymore. Right. Because you can't kind of go there because it's well, I the can topic's you, in, changed. In that, in that yeah. case, the point you were making was irrelevant to me. It was like, like, yes, I know that he has a bad stance on certain things, but at the same time, the things he's accomplishing are necessary things. So, like, what, like, is the world better or worse with that guy doing what well, he's doing? Well, it's what I get, you know. And again, just to how do you measure that? Rehash, That's a good question too. But rehash like, or you know, like, you know. It, it, Put people in space. Keep doing that. <laughs> Do everything you can in your power to, you know, sustain that program. I think it can think Just of shut the, the fuck shut up the fuck and don't up talk about COVID-19 because <laughs> right. you're out of your element yeah, and you're yeah, being yeah. a dickhead and, we and agree with that. you're yes, putting sir. people in you right. know, lives in danger. And I think that is what happens when you have money and power is you also feel entitled to have an opinion. No, 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 no. I think in that case, that guy is just a specific type of personality that is so, he's a robot. He thinks like a robot. So he just goes, I have a, I have a, a friend who <laughs> I know extremely well. You have a robot friend? What the fuck are you talking <laughs> just, about right hold now? Hold on, hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write it down on a thing, and I'm going to tell you about this person. Hold on. <laughs> well, I think while you're writing that down, uh-huh, um, while you're writing that down, I just think that it's important to recognize that we're not necessarily trying to label these people as Full on evil, or no. or or, yeah, yeah, or yeah. even full on good. Like there's, we talk about the nuance all the time on this show. Although so, Daniel like, Eck, <laughs> you're fucking evil. The CEO for Spotify is that he said Eck? Oh E-K- fuck that guy, Eck. whatever his name is. Yeah, no. Um, he also just said he was given a billion dollars to like deep state uh, or not deep state, deep tech <laughs> something uh, stupid development. Okay. Yeah, not music. Not arts, the yeah. place where all his money comes Not from. Not where that money came from. Like, that billion dollars is off the backs of everybody Like, if else. he was in a ditch right now, I would drop by and rub nut sweat on his head, <laughs> and then I'd keep going. <laughs> Fuck that fucker, him and the president of our current country right now. <laughs> but to bring it back, like, Elon Musk mm. is a dude where, like, he's just a, he's a, he thinks like a robot. So his, like, his, like, humanistic... No, but like, a robot can't be an asshole. His interpretations of what a human should act like is what he's sort of saying. And in that conversation, in that topic, like, I don't want to listen to him about social issues because I don't care about his version of social issues. Yeah. I care about what he thinks about space programs because he's got a robot mind and he thinks about spaceships and that's awesome. That's all we should get from him. That Even makes, though he has okay. the access for the rest I, of it. I get what you're saying. Yeah. The problem is, is nobody takes away their pulpit at that point. Nobody says, oh, you're not qualified Well, you for can't this. anymore. The, right. No, you're right. Yeah. Yes, that's absolutely right. Which is why we never would have had situation. we never would have had a Devalue President experts. Trump without the current level of, of media. You know, 24 hour um, news and the internet. Like he never could have garnered the ability to be the president without that. He wouldn't have done the things he had needed to do to reach the people who do support him. 
He wouldn't have gone to those places. He wouldn't have been in front of those people, which is why it feels incongruent that they support him because they couldn't have come to his resorts. They couldn't see him in person. He would never shake their hands. They aren't willing to admit that because they feel connected to him because they can pick up their phone and see him talk to them or they can go to Arizona and get coronavirus <laughs> listening to him talk. I think, I mean, it's it's more than just that. And, and if one, like this article or the, the New York Times piece outlining his uh, uh, his tax fraud, um, <laughs> I think is, it, it showed you how much of his empire quote unquote empire was built on off of the apprentice and mm-hmm. just the name recognition and just this Absolutely. image that he is this successful businessman when in actuality he's anything but that all he's but done is that used to be common <laughs> knowledge that used to be right. like so when I would like I never watched the apprentice uh, and I'll right. you know whatever. why would you you have a brain <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but the, the, like so I heard the name Trump as a presidential candidate and all I thought was you mean that guy that went fucking bankrupt when I was a kid mm-hmm. like that everybody made fun of the like, guy from the McDonald's who commercials the fuck are we even talking about <laughs> the guy who showed up in Home Alone 2 Home for Alone 2 god damn it you stole yeah. my fucking restaurant so, <laughs> it was a whole thing that's what you get it's a rhythm section thing I'm always <laughs> gonna I'm always gonna play we have the same you. dumb references yeah. all day. I saw your hi hat foot I went for it anyway um I had no, I had like, like in my mind, I was like, that guy, president, oh, that'll never happen. Because I that, that, right, the branding of The Apprentice meant nothing to me because mm-hmm. I never watched it. I had no concept of him as a successful. I only had the picture painted to me by actual things that happened to him through the course of his bankruptcies in the 80s, right? Which that proves how valuable and how, how f- incredibly influential that was for him and how not real that fucking is. But I can also tell you, like, I remember my dad talking about that guy in, like, the highest regard, right? He had, like, the, the fucking book, the Art of the Deal and shit everywhere. Which and he didn't write. Yeah, the, the ghostwriter yeah, like, the interviewed tonight on NPR, by the way. I gotta go listen fun. to that. But that's the narrative that was presented, right? Like, that, that whole thing, like, to, to my dad, that was fucking, like, the gospel. Like, he, he, there's a, there's some anecdote in there that's complete bullshit, but it's like he gives a homeless guy a dollar and he goes, "You got fucking a million dollars more than I have because I just I'm really bad at business as it turns out, and this isn't what it's in the book." But you know, I'm bankrupt on like 15 things and I lost money in a casino, which is almost impossible to lose money on. And here's my last dollar, and here's what. But anyway, it's this bullshit anecdote. My dad brought that up as like like a true story and like a way to like empath like he just loved that dude because of that sort of a thing and like I don't, I don't know, man. So, like, our generation, I think, is just... Was that the pre- premise for the movie Switching Places? <laughs> <laughs> it might be. It might fucking be. Trading places. Trading, trading, places. Yeah, trading places. places. Oh, whatever. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Can you edit that? Was that the premise for that? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> well, re-edit. I, I want to go back and, and, and expand upon the t- two ideas that are... I brought up earlier, which is like the cult of personality and the myth of the genius or can, soul can, genius. Can I bring up but, one thing before that? Sure. About you? Yeah. This is how Christian actually like engages in conversation. This is the first time that you've been recorded as such, and I'm so happy that you're like blossoming into your actual. Well, show. don't fucking scare him you off. Just dude. You just ruined it, just, just you giant <laughs> turd. So you know what, Christian? I'm really sorry. I know you're going to say something really profound. Please go now. Yeah. Well, now I, that you're thoroughly uncomfortable, tell me more I, about I space. I lost my train of thought, guys. <laughs> Assholes. No, but oh, wait, hold I, on. Can I, we I, high five on Mike? I think I think where I was going with that is 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 something about and I, I it's a bigger idea but I, and I'm, I'll get there at some point with you guys but uh, 
we're searching for something and, and there's this like over fetishization of these things. And like, we're, we're like kind of putting this notion or this, 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 uh, this status up on a pedestal or, or, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, now I now I really forgot. Sorry, no, no, you no, fucked me up, PJ. No, 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 no. But I get what you're saying. Or, or okay, so may, I'm inferring from what you just said. What frustrates me about the Trump thing is this idea that anybody is the only person that can do something, which he says that constantly about himself. This idea, this fabricated idea of um, dictator, a genius. Well, of he's he's projected this image of of success and brilliance and. I don't know. I, I heard all these. Who, who the fuck knows? Who's who? Actually spewing these things out about his uh, four-dimensional chess or whatever. <laughs> you know, like that he's so brilliant. He's like six steps ahead of everybody, and everything's just a tactic. And I don't know. I mean, it, maybe there's moments I mean, of that, but probably there's a lot of bullshit. Right. And, that and could all be dumb true. luck. He, and yeah, he but, could know that all this bullshit will make a certain amount of people, a certain percentage of people feel a way about him and that could be true but there's something ultimately entertaining about all of this and right. i'm saying that in the way the sense of like seductive and engagement rather than just fun and enjoyment and he's an artist i will say that that, that was something i thought about the other day too is like uh you and i were talking to the van the other day on the way back from dc um you're in dc and you didn't come say hey Jerk. Why the fuck would I go to your house? <laughs> you didn't wake up we, by the time we they were left. Working it. We were working it. It like, wasn't bong you know, rip o'clock yet. <laughs> seen the early hours. So that happened like an hour later when I went home and watched Predator and got as stoned as possible. Um, sorry, I couldn't do that gig. You guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, For all of those reasons. We were talking about You're like, going to come with this Monday, right? Uh, oh, maybe. I don't know. That's fair. Oh, we didn't talk about that yet. Um, different thing yeah now's not probably the time for that so what talking <laughs> oh i mean i intentionally wanted to bore our audience with that by the way we, we we record this podcast literally in my shop so if we talk shop on the podcast we're Aww. talking shop in the shop talking shop and in that, the shop that's that's should, that the <laughs> should that be the name of the podcast talking shop talking shop that's no, our that, no, not that's our wood, that's our woodworking <laughs> podcast <laughs> Talking shop and we were, we were I can't like the 80s. hitting the table <laughs> it's so it's so good it's worth it um Oh fuck! Where's it going with it? Oh, so uh, like the the I was we were kind of like like touching on the downfalls of democracies, right? And boredom <laughs> is boredom is the worst thing humans can endure, right? Mm-hmm. So like if if you ever had an office job, and I had an office job at one point in my life, and that was the most suicidal I've ever been in my life because I went to this place, sat in front of this screen, and did something that did not matter at all. It was of no importance to anything ever. And I, I quit that job the day that somebody asked me to like raise their desk up a couple inches and I put some books <laughs> under the desk. And this did guy... You, did you office space these motherfuckers? Dude, this guy praised me like I was the fucking second coming. Like, thank you, BJ, for coming here and raising my desk two inches. I cannot believe that you accomplished that task. And I was literally so insulted by that that I just didn't come back ever. Oh, fuck, hold on. You hit, a, you hit a button when you slam the, the I table. Hit, I hit a, a marker. We're good to go. Location one is right there. So, but I was so insulted by like that that gesture that that was the most I had to offer. Like you leveled my desk, and I can't believe you did that. And it was like, we haven't talked about like my my music career at all. But like I had just gotten back from like a bunch of tours for uh, like USO style stuff overseas, and like literally a month prior, I was having dinner with a general in Afghanistan, like steak and like surf and turf like lobster and shit and it was like this is just 
really interesting, and I can't believe that I'm talking like geopolitics with the guy that's in charge of Afghanistan right now. And then I come back, and I, like, I leveled this guy's desk, and he was like, I can't believe you did that. And I was like, I'm never coming back here ever again. <laughs> so like, you this, killed him and left. This is the... <laughs> Yes, Rockville Police, it was definitely not me that <laughs> off that guy. But, like, people, like, I couldn't, I can't imagine even now having a desk job, going somewhere and doing a repetitive task in front of a computer's, computer screen, going to the lunchroom and, like, cool. Bar- Barbara comes, <laughs> sorry, Josh. Well, it's not to criticize this, but, yeah. Yeah, I'm not criticizing. It's just, like, that level of boredom, like, you have nothing else to do at your time but, like, obsess over things that don't matter. Right. Now, now that is that is an interesting element to the idea of whether or not you take your career... Plus, fuck your desk, dude. Also, what matters <laughs> is relative. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was getting at. Yeah. So whether or not you take your career to be what you derive your impetus for existence from or what you do when you go home right. after those eight hours or whatever. Because as musicians, artists of any kind, building furniture, creative, whatever, mm-hmm. you leave whatever space you were working in. I don't know about you guys. It never leaves my fucking brain. No, you never I go, I go home, I'm thinking about it. Oh, dude, yeah. I get up, I work on it on my computer at home. My kids are asking me questions and I have a hard time answering them because whatever it is, the thing that I was thinking about is still in my brain. Right. I am in some ways tortured by feeling like I have a purpose. And the people who can shut that shit off after eight hours are the least interesting people or on the world, the, the world. most Look, fortunate motherfuckers on the planet. There's two I different don't types. Know, man. There's two different know. types of people. There are people who live to work, and there are people who work to live. Right. True. And there's so, those of us who live to do work that doesn't help us work to live. <laughs> that would be artists. <laughs> Fuck. I guess. Fuck. But, yeah. So like, I mean, I have an office job. Fuck you. So I. I get paid pretty well to do that office job, and I'm in a situation where I can use that money and when I can check out after hours which hasn't been able to happen lately because the lines are so blurred of when I'm working and when I'm not working but when I do check out that means I can check in on other shit when I get home so there's there's that perspective for you if if you're no, interested no, no. in hearing I feel like that's, that's incredibly valid and, and again I'm not shitting on like that way of no, life you, you you're just shitting on me directly well, no, no, like, like yeah. literally I smelled it yeah. well, fuck it's Josh, all over all. my fucking no, face no my point was like people that like <laughs> Like life in America is easy, right? You like it's it's unless uh, without like leaving people out. Like if you, if you Depends if you follow a certain, for a white man, you started that left <laughs> out. Yeah, we go there. So like if you follow a, basically a certain path in this country, like you go you go to high school, you get okay grades. You go to college, you get okay grades. You get a job, you're good. To, essentially, sort of good to go, and you can just kind of do that and not really be the best, not really be the worst. You can just kind of like carry on. And that, that, that provides like nothing but mental atrophy in my opinion. So you need something to focus on. You need like something that's interesting. And that's where like Donald Trump's come from is like people just need something more interesting to focus on. So like reality TV, like he's created the situation where I don't, that's America. I don't know. I disagree with that kind of assessment. I feel like his, it's not that his, you don't think boredom created him. I don't think it's boredom. I think it's I don't fucking think narcissism and like greed and all of those things. Well, not actually like like the people that support him, not him himself. I also still don't think it's boredom. Yeah, it's not. Boredom. I do think it is a sense of like, yeah, that idea that once they oh, okay, so we're skipping. you have so little there are a lot of points though, you just made that yeah. I feel like we all want to assess. <laughs> but I'm going to skip ahead to that point and say, speaking from the perspective of uh, somebody whose father supports him. Um, the reason my dad feels the way he does is whatever still has a dad he, he got 
make you make play that card okay. all the time. <laughs> all right, internet world. I think, I think I'm going to bring up the term logical fallacy again. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot. Can we make it a logical fallacy? Fallacy? <laughs> like, it's phallic. That's what I meant. Plural anyway, cocks. Whatever, uh, dick cup. Can I, can I finish the point? I do have a dick cup. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Uh, you no, like, so, no, no. so your dad, where does he No, no, from? well, my point of that is, okay, I'll give an anecdote, and maybe this will wrap it in. My dad has no reason to or not to support Trump. Mm-hmm. He lives in the South. Um, he voted conservative all his life. His buddies went on that train. That's where he went. He was influenced by the, the, the situation, right? Um, however, now, here we are four years later, regardless if it's turned out well or not, he is confronted by my mom's friends from college. They go out to have dinner, and one of them is like, I just can't believe like the ridiculous things that that guy says. Like They're so stupid. They're so uninformed. Oh. And he heard that as, I voted for him. You think I'm stupid. That's all he heard from that. It didn't matter if it was true. It didn't matter if it had any value. All he needed to do at that moment was defend the fact that he's lived his whole life and he had three kids and he still pays his mortgage and he does all the things. He's not fucking stupid. He feels a way about that. (laughs) And that's what that translated into. He turned anything that ever meant anything to him that had nothing to fucking do with that he identified with it in that moment in a way that was so strong that it removed any of the the logical fallacies. It removed any of the phallic items. <laughs> it removed anything of any value from that conversation, and it just became he was butthurt about the idea that she called his quarterback stupid. That's the way he felt about that. Right, and, and to just to get some clarity. Is that a recent on, thing, or was that a... That happened like a month and a half ago. So... I'm just trying to figure out when you say created Trump, are you talking about like I mean, there's, 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 his presidency or are you talking about like there, there's so people's little, attraction to people's him, attraction, like, going which was what I was speaking right, to, yeah. which it's not all just that. It has to do with this cult of personality. Yeah. Oh, well, silly. it goes back to it's, the story of like the golden calf in the Bible. <laughs> well, <laughs> but like, but like in this get case, out of here, Jew boy. Like, all right. So that was like my Torah portion. <laughs> if you're if you're if you're a white person in America, right, like a white suburban person, right? Shit ain't that hard. Like it's not hard to like exist. That's a generalization, but yeah, go ahead. I mean, like obviously there's there's. The but saying that makes right. those right, people fine. feel bad about that. No, 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 go no, ahead. Go ahead. You got to. I get you, what like, you're saying. Recognizing the fact that not like there are people, there are white males in this country who are also struggling. But obviously, go on. We, obviously right, we right. I'm not trying. Yeah, yeah but like ahead. generally speaking, like if you live in suburbia, you have a, do- a job that pays like money, something like forty thousand to one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. Like that's probably his main market right um there's it's not like the, the grocery store is always open you can always go get food like food's never an issue if you live in afghanistan right now food some days might be an issue right water might be an issue if you live in west baltimore if you live in west baltimore food and that, water which speaks more to the point might be an issue because they don't put the grocery stores where the people are like they they fucking you know there's food things deserts. like that but like in the, in this context in like suburbia america like they're just there there's nothing there's no struggle there's no like you don't you're always going to have the things you need to exist. Like you're going to have some form of healthcare with the job that one of you has, right? You're going to have a grocery store. You're going to have water. You're going to have like your kids are going to go to an okay school. Like things, look, nobody's, 
unless you but know they're a in Sandy decline Hook. though. Like that's the thing; they're becoming less accessible. That, for- I, I think you're speaking to 1950 to 1990 America. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree with everything yeah, you're, you're saying. Wrong, that's slowly undoing right. itself based on the policies built by the people that those people are continuing to support. Thank right, you, Ronald if, Reagan. But if you don't like adapt the model, I like, knew you'd want that. It was, oh, oh, it was there. Yeah, hey, yeah. Hey, right. If you got your glove on you, here, let me. <laughs> But if, if those people don't adapt the model, right? Like you, we can all think of a relative we all have that like like just didn't adapt, right? Just kept like going like well, I'm just going to get a pension and I'm going to retire, and then there's no pension all of a sudden. So they just get madder and madder and madder. And while they still aren't necessarily struggling, like they can still get the things that they require, they're getting madder, madder about this thing that isn't working in their favor. And that's where the Donald Trump comes in. That gives us like they just they somebody finally vocalized the thing they're pissed about. Which isn't really a, necessarily a thing. It's just your inability to like catch up with the world is the issue. The thing is, he doesn't even vocalize that. He vocalizes this idea that somebody. Oh, I'm not like he's irrelevant. No, 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 he's, no, no. He's the. He's but the but I heard I, I heard what you're saying, and he vocalizes that somebody getting unemployment is taking your pension away from you. He's making up the rules of the game to make it sound like making up fucking everything. Man, you know what? Fuck your mic. <laughs> He's making up the rules of the game to sound like the people at the bottom are all against each other. Right. Not just him, yeah. a whole collection of people. And that's what we talked about, yeah. you know, three episodes or two episodes ago. It, it, like we've all been convinced to fight each other, and it's by people like. Him and like people who have way more fucking money than he does, apparently, according to his taxes, that are in control of a lot more than we'll ever even imagine. Well, but he learned his life. Like, if you go back to again to the apprentice thing, he, you know, the show is shit. He's a fraud and all that and a con man, but he learned a lot in terms of crafting that image and manipulating the media in particular of how exactly he's basically playing uh, like the national assignment editor in terms of determining what gets talked about on any given day. So anytime a bad story comes out, which they fucking often do, he is able to just pivot the national conversation to something else, whether it's Hillary's emails or Hillary. It's it's more (laughs) than that now. It's more than that now because I saw somebody's comment um, on Facebook about the debates and their opinion on the debates were um, that his his um, performance was basically him versus two liberals just talking at him the whole time. Yeah, Chris they Wallace, were called, notorious dude, Chris liberal. Fucking Wallace, <laughs> a liberal. All right, fuck it. Let's get into this fucking no, debate. No, no, no. And, and, and see, that's the thing. That's what they heard. Yeah. And just because somebody told him to play by the rules. Like Dude. all it took was somebody fucking saying, <laughs> stop interrupting. Let somebody else have a second to speak and then you'll get your second. And immediately that's all it took for them to be a fucking Hillary camp, you know, camp liberal or whatever. All right, Christian has his rules. hand. Uh, Christian. BJ has his hand uh, raised. Wait, raised. Are we at 40 minutes in? I thought I felt like I had to call him Christian. Oh, 77 minutes. Oh, actually. damn it. Um, uh, no, it was, it was funny. Like, like a big thing I did with my Facebook page. With, uh, and nobody realizes this, but like you're all rats, and Facebook is the cage, and I'm just observing you all, all the time. So not me, I got out. Yeah, you did. So uh, <laughs> I had a buddy who who came on there. Who's like a he's a I'm not even gonna I'm not gonna go to details, but he's somebody, and uh, he said a thing that he's related somebody. directly to that. Somebody right? He said he he almost said that verbatim, and I was like, that seems like sort of a narrative somebody else has come up with. So I went back through t- Trump's tweets, and sure enough, almost fucking verbatim was the two on one thing. Yeah. 
And it's like you can you can see like like when 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 information comes out, right? You watch the right, like they all just sort of like, well, I disagree. I'm not quite sure why yet, but I'm soon. Give I'm me articulate. I'll get back to tweets for. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, the narrative comes out from the fuck from the headquarters. HQ's like, and they're all like, oh. That was two liberals against one conservative. And <laughs> but, they all say the exact same thing. <laughs> but here, here's another perspective from a super fucking liberal liberal who wasn't in, I wasn't in the Bernie camp. I wasn't in any fucking camp. Uh, I would have voted for Camilla, actually. I kind of fucking liked her as president. She's fine. Yeah. But Kamala. here's the deal. Kamala. When I saw, when I saw Dick. Kamala, is it Kamala? It's Kamala. Uh, why am uh, I so bad at life? Well, man? you know. Um, Fucker Carlson can't Cuomo. say it, but we can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. So I, I, when I saw Joe Biden exhaustedly turn to the camera and be a politician at me, I fucking didn't care anymore. I don't want you to say, you American people right. at home. Like, yeah, well, I heard that before. I don't care anymore. But that, I think that's I think a was really good point. Is that I, th- I think that's part of what you know, you're talking about, creating Trump and the seduction of Trump mm-hmm. it, or the allure of Trump, is that I think there's, there's a, a large population of this country that feels completely left out. Mm-hmm. I think we've been dealing with failing, you know, school systems, lack of education, though there's uh, an image that people are getting educated. And I think people are just left out of the conversation and they're looking for some buy-in and some power when they feel powerless. And Trump, for whatever reason, has created a voice that gives that, that power back and they feel like, you know, it's their time and... I, I, I think mean, you're right. And I think all the things that we call talking points, which just boil down to insincerity, that was the breeding ground for what this is. We've watched Obama and fucking Clinton and Romney and McCain, all of them who were f- had far more decorum than what we're seeing right now. They still use that shit. They still said the things that somebody else wrote for them to I'm say. I'm going to say something that's funny. That's a good point, the, actually, with the... With the We'll let BJ talk first. Because I've been talking a lot today. <laughs> Holy fuck, that was amazing. Oh, I fucking love Christian's growing into exactly what I want Christian to grow into. <laughs> Just say what you're going to say, BJ. Well, I'm going to. I'm, 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 I'm not bashful about this at all. Uh, fuck, but I lost my train of thought. You just need me. <laughs> Yeah, that'll learn you. You just BJ'd his ass. Oh, oh but back to the, what I was trying to say was like, uh, Anybody? Pol- Anybody? like traditional okay. politicians, this is the thing where Hillary and Biden are fucking up, right? Is like, you can see him go to the camera like a normal politician That's would. Right. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, he starts to say the thing and I was like, dude, I don't care anymore. It doesn't work. It's disingenuous. The only, the only genuine thing that he said was when Trump fucked with his kids. <sighs> oh, I was so dude, fucking Dude, I mad. was going to shoot my fucking TV when he did that. <laughs> Je- my, my dear, well, sweet, incredibly docile, beautiful wife, <laughs> we, we had a whole moment just then. Like if I had a fucking kid who died of cancer and a kid who's a recovering addict and you want to talk about either of them for any reason or just fucking talk about my six and my nine-year-old, I will beat your ass on stage. Like, <laughs> In front of the entire nation. That mother- like, oh, yeah. God. I don't care if to I pulp. go to prison. I would have beat his ass. And I get I get that that's not what that needed. That's not where that should have gone. That's I mean, it should have. Yeah, he should have gone on and, 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 and just punched when him he right looked, But he looked at him. He stopped looking at the fucking camera. And he looked at Trump. And he's like, don't talk about my fucking kid. Right. If, if you didn't feel that way about it, even the conservatives, if you didn't feel that way about it, you're denying some primal thing. You, it's there. You would not have let Trump... Or anybody whose dick you suck talk that way about your kid. You wouldn't do it. Yeah, you don't allow it. So uh, back to Christian's point about like uh, 
Trump trying to appeal to these people who have been alienated by the whole the whole system. Um, I think him bringing in voters at this point, like expanding his base, is just a bonus at, at this point for him because what he's really trying to do is delegitimize the process, right? So you can you watch that debate and he's you know talking over over Biden, over Wallace the entire time. I would love to see, to use a football term, the time of possession in terms of who is... I thought that same thing. <laughs> yeah, in, in terms of like how much actual time he spent speaking versus how much time Biden's speaking. But the point of all of that and his strategy in general, just to be belligerent, is to turn people off from the process. And I know a couple people who said after watching that, they don't want to vote for either one of them, right? And that benefits Biden because low... I mean, excuse me, that benefits Trump because low, low turnout historically has always benefited Republicans. If more people vote, Democrats do well. And, and well, also like the, the like equating them together. Like they're like, well, that was like watching a bunch of kids argue. Right. Like no false, fucking right, equivalency. Exactly. Yeah, false equivalency. Right. And, and and Chris Wallace didn't help that because he would, you know, Biden would be trying to answer his question or a question from Wallace. Trump would talk over him the whole time for like a minute 30 of the two minutes. Uh, Wallace would continue. So it's basically three people talking at the same time. And then eventually he would get him to stop for like a second. And then Biden would get like 10 seconds and then he would kick it over to Trump and Biden would basically allow him to speak. I, I, I can't fuck with Wallace in that though because like in that bombardment of a situation like I know you want to defend Wallace so badly well, like, and there's not and, and there's no there's no way to like you can't operate obviously in that situation. Obviously. Gentlemen you'll get your two minutes. Um, <laughs> BJ please speak now. <gasps> obviously he did not like there, there's nothing you can do to contain contain Trump like no, uh, you, can cut, you can you cut. You can cut his fucking mic off. But he doesn't have that. Cut. He didn't have no, that ability. It's something like, like okay. Here's the thing. But people he knew been like, all the, the what if saying, they made this magical program where you could turn them? It's already right. there. It's called a fucking mute. Mute his goddamn right. mic. I understand. You I'm, I'm an advocate for moving these I'm to leaning Zoom because... so hard into you motherfuckers <laughs> right now. If somebody doesn't mute his goddamn mic after two minutes at the next debate, I'm, I'm telling you, like, you just I'll move it to Zoom so you can just murder mute, them all. mute the person who's Fuck, not, Who no, cares if you lose your engineering sure. job? Like, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Mute his mic. That's More importantly, there's a guy who probably agrees with most of what we're saying, who was at a console that night, and there's a red button on that channel. Mute that mic. And he was looking at it, and he was like, and he probably was just sitting but there with a razor blade cutting himself, like, I can't mute the fucking, like, oh, If you do bleed. that, though, then exactly. It, it looks like you're, you're putting your thumb on the scale. It just gives it, them And it gives them, it but plays right Biden's into their narrative too, of the media bias. But you wouldn't bias. have to because he would have kept his mouth shut for two minutes if you asked him to. Right, because he did. Which is why <laughs> it's a false equivalence. But there's two, point, there's two parts Obviously. of that of the debate where I thought Biden kind of, or not necessarily Biden, but I think there were two moments that kind of, broke through from all of the fucking chaos that it was. It was, one, obviously the white supremacist, his failure to denounce the white supremacist, and we can get into that. I was feeling about that. But, that but the other thing, and you kind of alluded to, is, is when, he, when he was talking about Hunter. Like, Bo, apparently he's not familiar with because he hates the troops, but that's fine. Uh, <laughs> but when he, attacked, uh, uh, when he attacked Hunter for being what he said was dishonorably discharged, he wasn't, he let, he, you know, it was not a dishonorable discharge. It was discharge. He says nothing true. It right. Like, it's, uh, everything he fucking said was false. But I think what may have really cut through is that genuine moment where, uh, where Joe Biden stood up for his kid. And it wasn't like he didn't back away from the criticism of his son, you know, having a, a cocaine problem. He said, I'm proud of him for overcoming that. And I think that's something that you can relate 
to like every American can relate to that. Every American knows somebody who's had substance abuse problems, who's had been able to either recover or has succumbed to those problems. And if and, you don't, they just they just didn't let you know. You just right. didn't fucking find out about it right. because there are there are people, right. there are people in my world, uh, in in the the small town South that think they don't know right. anybody who's dealt with substance abuse, or they think that those people are on the periphery and they're fucking wrong. Right. And but the, you're right. That moment was so genuine and it was so powerful. And again, it was a father talking yep. about his fucking empathy. son. It's empathy. It, it all comes exactly. back to empathy. And exactly. And that was that was so powerful. And at the same time, in my mind, like it meant enough to me. Where I had, I just assumed it would be lost in the the you know, the the shit storm. And it, well, of what I was mean, going for the on. most, it, like it was, it was. There were basically two headlines. It's they were yelling at each other the whole time, and the uh, and then the white supremacist stuff that came out after that. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we can get into the white supremacist stuff if you'd like, but <laughs> no, no, I wanted to go there too, actually. So, uh, uh, so here's how I felt about that. In the moments that that Trump was like, when when he was like, I, I want you know, denounce white supremacy right now, and he's like, okay, I will. Tell me to announce. Tell me to announce. Wait, wait, wait. wait, 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 wait who are we talking about again? And I was like, <laughs> okay, okay. This. Now I put I, in that moment. I knew. I already knew how I was going to feel. Right. I, as a flaming douchebag liberal that I am, I already knew. No matter what he said, I wasn't going to believe it. Right. Um, which is not fair. And so I tried to give myself in that moment the chance to think. That in it, at any time he was gonna say something real, right. and I was gonna feel okay. This shit has been blown out of proportion. I was waiting for that, and what he said, it wasn't a full on like white supremacy, white purr. It wasn't, which is what most of my liberal friends heard, mm-hmm. and it also was not an honest to God denouncing of it, which means that he endorsed it in. In a fashion, but right? It, yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I agree with you. I think, but, it, but in that moment, I, well, I was trying to hear from the ears of people who were going to be like, "Well, he didn't. Right. He did say no. Well, from, he said right, stand that's, down." That's such an easy answer. Like it right. should have well, been like, yeah, well, "Of course, I denounce those right." People. But he to, didn't do it. To your he point, though. To your point, though, it's it's a fucking softball question. And it's awesome, right? <laughs> we, as as non-Trump supporters, there wasn't. <sighs> Even if he, we had, don't have political affiliation. Why <laughs> would you on. ever? <laughs> even if he had come out and strongly, even if he had said, in the strongest of, condu- of terms, I condemn white supremacy and all affiliated with it—the Ku Klux Klan, the Proud Boys, the Boogaloo, fucking electric turds, Boogaloo. Uh, it would not have come across as genuine, and we wouldn't have perceived it as genuine, but it would have checked the box. It, it was have. the absolute minimum that he could have done, and even the, those groups themselves would have explained it away, saying, oh, he had to do that. The point is, he could have done the bare fucking minimum, and again, he, he chose didn't. to go right. beyond. And he provided, right. he provided the Proud Boys with a fucking slogan that they now have on I, patches, on t-shirts, and the, what is it? Stand, stand down stand and... Back. Stand, stand back, back and stand, stand back, by. Stand, stand, stand back, stand by. Right. And... It's Which just, is such like a... That's almost like military coding for that. It's like, illegal. Like stand back, stand by. And then by. he went further and is like, Close to closing statements. I don't know what you consider his closing statements, whether it's his actual closing statements or his talking over Joe Biden's closing statements. But he basically called on the Proud Boys. Essentially, if you connect the dots here, he called on the Proud Boys to monitor the polls, which is fucking illegal. He said that literally. He I, said, go to the polls. Right. I, I mean, I think to some degree on his like more on-the-spot responses, 
I don't necessarily know if he's as calculated as oh, people fucking, give him credit fucking, for. I, I think he might be right but about that. But I think... Yeah. But he knows where his what I'm thinking, What I think is, is intentional and I think is his tactic is that he, he didn't say yes and he didn't say no. Right. He didn't really say anything. He said, he we'll said, see. He's, <laughs> what his tactic ultimately is, and, and, and you look at the you know, response to Biden or Hillary in the last election, <laughs> um, those, those <laughs> candidates speak the vernacular of elitism. And we're talking about this alienation or this, this feeling disconnected or left out uh, of a certain population of the country. And that language leaves them out. It's something they don't understand and com- can't comprehend. Trump speaks in gibberish. He says one thing that he, he probably says some things that are right. He says a lot of things that are wrong. He, prob- he says everything and anything. It, it just means nothing and it means everything. And it can mean basically whatever you want it to. And that's the tactic. Dorochak test. Ambiguity. Dorochak test. And, but like, that, and that's to, to that point is the Proud Boys interpreted that as a tacit approval. And they, they've run with it. And I don't think he, maybe he didn't intend to do that, but he didn't intend yeah, not to do no, that. Well, that's, that's just it. Is, yeah. is whoever wants to support him will we'll right. back him on that. They yeah, can right. make it mean whatever he wants. They want, yeah. the, want and it to. As be. I was saying earlier, I think at this point. Which I, in, in sales is a good tactic, actually. Like you want it oh, to be like an ambiguous, and message. that's what he wants no. to be. Okay, as somebody as who a, had to a take salesman. a fucking marketing and ad class in my business minor, those are the grossest <laughs> motherfuckers on the planet. This idea agree. of the hard sell and not you know not taking no for an answer, just this you just deny anything valuable to the human experience, and you just try to coerce people into agreeing right. with you. Fuck. That <laughs> fuck that I don't want that I don't want that president I don't want that congressperson I don't want that anybody in any position ever All I want well, tough is shit, some, that's what you're gonna get <laughs> Yeah I know I just want some level of authenticity yeah. and 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 that's the one thing that I don't think Trump could He's supposed to be so fucking authentic I don't think there's any element of authenticity well, Not a sense. single fucking, fucking shred That's just it is like he sold this image of authenticity to a particular part of the population right. that wanted to believe there was a candidate that was speaking for them. And, and if, if, if my dad was here right now, who I know a hundred percent, that's how he feels. He feels like nobody has heard what he had to say since, you know, God knows when, like he's been, he's had that same complaint for every president yeah. that I've ever been alive to see happen. And it, it bothers me that because he could sit here and have this conversation with us and he's smart enough to, to hear these things and maybe think something different, but that's not a conversation he would be in because that's not the environment he's in. That's not the environment most of the people um, dealing with all of this on that side of the camp would get in because they, they would already be admitting they would have to back away from their sports team. You know, mm-hmm. like they are team Trump. They are, if Trump doesn't win, then they're going to riot and knock right. over cars. And just like, like, like it's all so ridiculous. And they look at this like yelling and the the talking over oh, and all that type of stuff. And they look it at it. They see it or they interpret it as potentially being like a sign of strength. When in actuality, the reason he's doing this again, as I kind of harped on here, it's because he knows he's fucking losing and he's That's weak. Also true. And this is his only option to steal the election because. 
he can't win it fair and square. I don't think it's about that. I think it's like it's purely, absolutely about it's, that. Well, yeah, obviously that's a thing. But like in the moment, he's just unwilling to like relent to anyone ever for anything, and that's just what he did. I think that both of those are yeah, simultaneously. Yeah, those are, they're they're not competing ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the those are not mutually exclusive. Also, you know what? You know what Trump fucking reminds me of? An asshole. My dad. <laughs> no, but I didn't t- mean that. <laughs> no. So I did. So, um, when my dad died, we went to the funeral home, right? And in the funeral home, you have to make a bunch of decisions. Like, how much do you want to pay for flowers? Like, we have this floral arrangement, and this is the first one. This is sort of the, the lowbrow daisies, if you will. But over here, we have, if you really care for your Why does everybody who's nefarious have a British accent? Because they fucking should. And <laughs> because that's of how... the Revolutionary War, <laughs> goddammit. <No. laughs> Well, I can't wait. wait, wait I, I, I got my Bill Taft voice too. Well, madam, if you look here, what we have here is a display of daisies. So next is your bad southern <laughs> accent. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so talk like a fucking Yankee. That's Go fine. On, boy. That's fine. That's fine. Um, the point was like, like they, they they pull out a fucking. They, it's like the worst possible moment a family can go through, right? You're all there, you're all together, and you're planning this event, and they pull out this fucking catalog, and the catalog has stuff, and like the numbers don't really matter, you just want to like represent the person the way they want to be represented. And, and they're just like selling you, it's snake oil across the board. A it's coffin. Almost yeah. modestly that priced human's, receptacle. That human's dead. The fucking best Nothing one. Nothing you pick's gonna change it. Yeah, the best one is like, there's a fucking thing you can, you can buy. It's a, it's a cement house for the coffin to live in so it doesn't degrade the, the quality of the coffin over time. So you're going to put the dead person in the ground. That's fine. But if you really want that coffin to stay shiny for the next 20 years, you want a good polish in that Chevy, man, you put that coffin inside of a concrete It'd bunker. undercoating? Underground. Underground concrete bunker. <laughs> no, that don't nobody's... shit talk undercoating. That's a good thing. <laughs> that keeps cars from rusting, and I won't let you do that That's on my fair. podcast. Only, so in, only in like the North United States. It's fair. But like, it was the same sort of thing. It was just like pure salesmanship. And I like called this guy directly out to his face. Like, That's called the vault. Right? How about... And that was it's called, it's called the, the vault. vault, yeah. How about fuck you... <laughs> Can I, I get this, a pine box? I said this in the funeral home. They were like, this one's walnut. And I was like, I know how, walnut, how much walnut costs because I make furniture out of wood. And again, fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> that, that's called the free market. Yeah. You show them your walnuts. It's fair. <laughs> that's fair. It is called the free market. And, and I guess in that moment, you're being, some of us are being shamed. Free market ain't free. We're being shamed into making a choice that would seem extravagant for our dead loved ones. You have no shame, BJ. So you. Well, they also look that in the face and they go, Fuck oh. you. <laughs> I've already donated my body to science because I will not allow any of my family to ever make that decision. That's I want Elon Musk to shoot my corpse into space. Straight into space. Yeah. With, can I get a, 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 a Tesla got, X also? <laughs> I'd like to be in that. Mine's actually very nice. We can shit. share one. I'll Ooh. be in the front seat. You can be in No, that. no, baby. I will, I will I'll ride shotgun. Come there on. You go. Come on, Josh. <laughs> Me and my friend Joan, who probably listens to this podcast, actually, who wants to meet Matt because... She thinks you're the most interesting, apparently. Uh, clearly. Fuck or, you, Joan. Which is a cool thing. But I'm also very Love cute. You, she and I have a very specific death agreement, which everyone goes first. Like we have our <laughs> That's a weird thing to have. It, it's a thing we have. We got a lot of things in common with me and Joan. But uh, one of the things is I am to be bronzed and shot out of a cannon vaguely towards France. <laughs> Why? Because it's just going to be the funniest thing. Like Hunter S. Thompson was the originator of the cannon idea, but I added bronzing to it, which makes it like a, like the a, a weird like gold missile will just shoot off vaguely towards France of dead human parts. <laughs> but yeah, why France? Because it's funny. <laughs> well, why is it funny? 
Because you're trying to, you're already trying to figure out why France, and there's no reason. Oh. Yeah. I like Tom Green funny. I probably shouldn't convey then that. Then why not Luxembourg? That's even funnier. <laughs> oh. See, he got I you I love there. Luxembourg. <laughs> what about Stalingrad? Oh, now, now you're just uh, You have to go back Trump in camp. time for that. Yeah, you're in a Trump camp. But yeah, but that's why like Stalingrad? a history. It's, it's a history. Istanbul. It's a history joke at yeah. that Constantinople. point. Constantinople. It's not... Istanbul oh, it's called St. Petersburg. Now we're getting boring. They might be Giants reference, and you got it. Across the thing. Ow, pen to the hand. I had a pen in my hand. Sorry about that. You guys have to stop high-fiving. It's it's sickening. 100%. And if you were over here, I would have high-fived you earlier. I got to acknowledge the audience. We might be getting a little boring here and a little disconnected. Was that the equivalent of you holding up a sign that says write it in? No, no, no. I disagree because last time you held up a sign, I listened to that segment like five times. And it just got funnier to me because Matt and I were like genuinely mad about shit. And although in the moment you were 100% right, in this moment you're 100% wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, you voiced it, which is still completely right. We're going for the record tonight. We're going to hit we're three We're talking hours. about our isms. All right, all right, all right. We're so let's pull it. Yet. Hold on, hold on. We right. talked about all the shit we said we were going to talk about. Well, we want yeah. feedback. Maybe we should have the audience feed, you know, send us some okay. feedback yeah, about that. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. So, Crank so up the game, baby. What would, we want, what would we want to hear from our, our audience? What are things we individually would like to know about how they feel about the way we do what we do? Christian. Which one of us do you like the least what and why do we is it want me? them to say to us like <laughs> uh, m- more like the feedback from the audience in how could we uh what, what is it that we're doing that is good bad i don't know i, I but well i i, I mean ahead. i just what do they want to hear from us like what are we what are we doing right what are we doing wrong yeah that's what i just said so somebody told me that my, we're doing right i i, I got a comment or back that my podcast voice was 11 out of 10 and i was like I'm pretty sure you're being facetious, but I'll take it as a compliment yeah. because that's where my ego is. Yeah, and that's that's what Trump would have done. Mine's probably negative one out of ten because I don't know how to use a mic yet. You okay. got a request for more of you. Like, also, stop being so self-deprecating. You're quite dapper, and <laughs> you. Okay, clearly podcast. You know, world. I I think you know that's something maybe we can get from our, our audience some feedback is like, what do they want to hear about? What topics? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you, we all have ideas of topics and that brings one up. I've kind of want to talk about the notion of confidence. You know, that's, oh, that's good. Ooh, we talked I about like that the other day too. Actually, if you guys listened to the last episode with Dr. Cat, Matt, Christian and myself got hammered and stayed for five extra hours. <laughs> I think we all I got was, in trouble with I our was significant there on the others. Phone. I participated. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Let yeah, me go phone. ahead and lay out there. You guys were hammered, and that was not an unreasonable amount of te- tequila for me, which means I might have a problem. I didn't get in trouble with my significant other because she was like, did you bring any tequila back? And I was like, no. And she's like, ah, that's good. We don't have to drink it now. <laughs> I'm sorry, you guys. Rock and roll professional over yeah, here. Yeah, but like, all right, yes, tequila, you drank a lot, and you were still pretty buzzed because you... Ah, I drove 45 shoot. minutes home, and I drove you home. Like, what are we even talking no, about? No, you right drove now? me and Christian home. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I said you, that was plural. Like, who was hammered? I drank I, I drink three quarters of that bottle and you guys finished it and you couldn't walk out of here. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, I'm not, whatever. It's all good. But, but I, like, I, no, I, please, I don't have a problem. Something that's been fun for me is like, like, sort of like the self examination that comes from our side conversations. Like, our first, like, our, our, our test episode, right? We had an extensive conversation about like how we communicate and Everhart and I had a, a, a hilarious agreement on the fact that like sometimes we like get in fights accidentally because we're fighting ourselves. Oh God. What yeah. was that? What was, the, what was the, like, the actual thing we were saying? It was like, uh, oh, fuck, I forgot. Cause we, we oh, were like, 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 like it was like, uh, talking to 
Jen, you were talking about talking to Jen, and Jen's like, you, you, you want to like argue about the thing to like come to a resolution with yourself, but she's just a conduit and the person that's in the room while you're battling you. That is pretty regular, and and uh, so I don't know. Like, and I, she she thinks it through. And you I, yeah, I was going to say I can't remember the complete context of what we were talking about. But what I will do is I'll be talking out loud the things I think, which will sometimes be in conflict with the next thing I'm going to say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and she will be like, "Well, how could you possibly think that?" Because she's already fucking thought all that shit through. Because she's a bazillion times smarter than I yeah. am. <laughs> and she came to that conclusion before she opened her fucking mouth. She's not retarded like I am. Oh, oh, <laughs> not that word. Boo. Not Last high five mentally challenged. I'm not <laughs> high fiving that. No. Hello, 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 hello. Hey, 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 hey. All right, there it is again. And we're back. I think. Right. Why am I so low now? Uh, are, they, yeah, uh, are they digital faders or, or digital? No, they're they're pots? the real the real deal, the real thing. Anyway, so fresh pots. I don't know where the edit point was, but the conversation stopped because the power went out, and we're back now. <laughs> <laughs> but no matter where the edit point is, I would like to genuinely apologize for actually. Okay. Yes, 100% I want to apologize. I'd also like to point out the fact that I might have used the R word earlier because it was in my vernacular for 30-some-odd years um, without me realizing that that could theoretically be offensive. Now, here's the thing. There's a whole group of people right now who feel like they can they can take that back. They can say, oh, well, you can't PC me into a box, but... I want to say that there's nothing wrong with understanding that something you thought or felt or said might be offensive and altering your course for that. That's growth and development. And and I think that there's a certain element to having a podcast with four white heterosexual males that also puts us in that place. We need to go ahead and say that's what we are, but we are not unwilling to learn or lean into what other people have to say. Um, uh, anyway, that, I, I'm apologizing for that, and also, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you took spoken. you took that on all by yourself. Yeah, you yeah. Oh no, no, no! I'm right. a piece of shit. I guess we're done now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think when if, we if were you talking get the about joke by this point, I don't know what to tell you guys. Yeah. It's like I think when we were talking about uh, when we were talking about uh, making this episode, we um, he was fine that time actually. <laughs> We had an idea that we should have generally a, a disclaimer, for lack of a better way of putting it, um, for all the dumb, insensitive, uh, privilege, ignorant things that we yeah. might say because of yeah. just the baseline privilege we grew up with being the, I don't know, white everything about who we are. Hetero, like, yeah, yeah we're, we're four white dudes, and like that's we we can't up like I don't know what to say about that. Like I, I we can't Sorry. apologize. Well, it's, <laughs> It's a challenging. Oh God, that's see. This is the disclaimer. It's a challenging position. We're to be so self aware that we can't explain away ourselves. Like it's like we are so humble that it's we, hard for we, us to describe how great we, we are. know is what we're, we're trying to say. We're, <laughs> like, we're we human it. beings on the planet that recognize we've been dealing with generations of of uh, inequity and and intolerance and yeah. privilege and. Uh, yeah, and I, I think that despite that, we still grew up or were born who we are. And we do have a, a voice, and not in that, like, incel, 
mass, you know, misogynistic, dumb fucking thing. It's just like we want to recognize that, you know, we understand and we still want to have a conversation because we should all have a conversation. We don't understand. We're trying to understand. Like We're trying the, to understand. The point yeah. of this thing is like the, we're, we're, we're talking about these these sort of hot button issues because we want to get them as much as you want to get them. Like we want to we want to understand where we sit in those things. Because we get it. Like, it's fucking hard out there. It's hard if you're not fucking a white dude driving around. Like, the cops might pull you over randomly. It's hard if you're a woman trying to get a job in a place that won't hire women. It's hard if you want to get the same salary as this thing. It's hard. If there's a million things that are hard about it. And we're trying to get our heads around that. And that's what this is. Well, and, and, and also, to speak to that point, and I think this causes a lot of the discourse we deal with right now, the pushback against that makes some less aware hetero white males feel attacked. And we also have to agree the fact that like equality means equality for everybody. Now that doesn't mean we need to offer a hand up to people who were already, you know, well advantaged, but we do have to, to, to come to some realization that what we're trying to strive for is equality, not supremacy of anybody. Um, and I'm not speaking on terms of the fact that that, that point of view has uh, relevance as in like they need to be held up, but I want to respect the idea that they do feel something in those moments, right? And, and I feel a lot of shame for my advantage, um, but a lot of people feel like they're being beat up for their advantage, and, and I feel like sometimes we move in a direction where we're not really taking that into account either. And we're know? not trying to shame anybody or anything right. like that. I think right. It's just we're trying to emphasize the importance of empathy. I think this is, again, a, a theme that we've kind of touched on throughout um, empathy and nuance. And, and empathy, we don't context, and, and context and nuance. And we don't want to dismiss anyone. Like, it, far be it for us to say, I'm, I'm sure there are, you know, there's going to be a, a white male somewhere in this country who is going to say, hey, fuck you. I'm struggling. I don't have any advantages and I'm not trying to feel bad about my own struggle. Right. right. And we're not trying to minimize that by any means. What we're saying is, and again, it, like to BJ's point, we're, we're trying to learn and expand our understanding of this as well, but we're, we're just want everyone to come in with the, into this with an open mind and we want to have an open mind ourselves and express some of what we have observed in our lives to this point and what we hope to see going forward. Well said. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think, I think it would be, well, know, like, like for, for, well, I was just going to say for, for those who, may not be personal friends of either one of us or all of us or, or anything of that nature who are listening to this, I think it might be helpful if we kind of went around and gave some sh short background of where we kind of, how we ended up where we Josh. are here. I don't want to say like, give us your, your are we, credits. Are we doing job. end of episode intros? No, I, mean, no, I think that's a solid Establishing call. a baseline yeah. in terms of like, that's like somebody just, who writes the chorus and only plays it at the end. <laughs> just, just don't bore like us. Get to the chorus. <laughs> where you're from and how a, a brief summary of how you ended up here talking about this fucking shit. Well, why don't you start, Josh? Yeah, okay. why don't you start, Josh? Okay, I guess I'll start. Um, as a broad brush, um, I am the son of a foreign service officer, um, and at about 
I guess five, five years old. Um, we moved overseas to our first post, uh, which was Zagreb, which was then Yugoslavia, which is now not Yugoslavia. <laughs> um, it was there for two years. We moved from there to Tel Aviv, lived there for two years. Uh, it's in Israel. Um, from there, we came to the States for one year, back to Moscow, Russia for two years. From there, um, again, came back to the States for four years. And then I went, to, or we, we went to, as a family, went to Lisbon, Portugal, uh, where my family stayed there for, I believe, three years. I was there for two before graduating and, and coming to back to D.C. for college, where I studied journalism. Um, and, yeah, that's kind of like the, <laughs> the broad overview of, of how I came to through, through my education. Um, yeah, I don't know. And I'm, through all that, I've... You know, uh, learn to appreciate different cultures, different backgrounds. Uh, the schools I went to overseas were American schools, but they were, you know, they're private schools. I was very privileged. I got a fantastic education in terms of uh, I'm very privileged to be in that, uh, have, have that opportunity to have that education. Um, and I got to be around people literally of every background. Um, whether it was diplomats or, or people who were living, uh, you know, from other countries and, and, and uh, yeah, living in, living in those places and friends with, with all of them and, and just really kind of got <laughs> as much as I possibly could from, from that type of experience. So I have that to kind of lean on. So I'm fortunate in, and privileged in, in that sense to have been able to live outside of the United States. So when I say that the United States is the greatest country in the world, I have something to base that on. Um, yeah, so can leave that there, I guess. That's pretty good. Uh, is it? <laughs> well, I mean, it makes all of my credentials sound real lame. It, it ties them all together. All right, who's next? Matt. You guys all looked at me. All right. <laughs> Matt's next. All right. Here's, uh, so mine's the exact opposite of all those <laughs> things you just said. All right. So I grew up in a tiny little town in Lexington, North Carolina, um, uh, previously a furniture making country that was laid waste by um, the miraculous uh, world trade uh, phenomenon. So my perspective, by all means, uh, should be very conservative. Um, I also grew up very, very Christian. I had a um, grandfather who was a minister. Um, I experienced pretty much typical Southern life, but it was also typical Southern life during uh, this sort of element of the 90s when everybody was uh, sort of finding themselves abandoning small town culture and, and, and jobs had left and everybody's feelings on all those things had changed. Um, in the midst of all that, um, in, in the midst of me needing to be um, very typical male and typical Southern, um, I decided that what I really wanted to do was create art and play music. So I went to college for that and basically had to uh, sort of shun all of the responsibilities that I had been had been assumed upon me from from my experience from there. Um, I fell in love with a girl who was doing the same thing. We moved away and went to grad school, and we kind of built a life for ourselves that led us to um, 
traveling the country at least a bit more than we would have otherwise. So I lived in a couple of different places, including uh, Indiana University, which is in Bloomington, Indiana. Um, I played in Chicago quite a bit. Uh, and then finally ended up in Maryland um, when my wife won an audition with one of the military groups. So my experience has been this weird um, wa line walking between ultra liberal artist and, you know, strange conservative ties um, with my wife being in the military and me being from the South and this element of uh, Christianity being an underpinning for me. So I always feel a little bit like I can kind of see both sides of some of these arguments, but at the same time, I, I don't know, man. Like if you feel um, something that's passed down to you from something that feels constricting, and for me that was what I was told was supposed to be my religious beliefs and what I was, was told was supposed to be my um, political beliefs, I felt sort of squeezed in by that. Um, I'm a, a middle child, so as my tendency is I, I decided to deny those things until they proved valuable to me. Um, now, here I am at 41. I still am very proud of the fact that I can uh, rebuild a carburetor or I can change brakes or I can, you know, work on a motorcycle or I can, you know, help people, um, you know, put a floor in. I feel good about those things. I feel good about those blue-collar elements of my life. But I'll, I'm also excited that I can... Um, do analysis to a score and that I've listened to enough music that I have perspective on a wide variety of decades and, and variabilities that could happen in a piece of music and give you context on that. Those things are all exciting to me. So the, the roundabout thing about who it is that I am and what I feel like I offer when we all have these discussions is some sort of weird combination of both of those perspectives, right? Like, um, getting a little frustrated at the idea that only people with a college degree should be listened to and then getting a little frustrated at the idea that people that studied something and worked really hard get not listened to just because they did that. Like both those things make me unhappy and, and uncomfortable and I'm trying to right those inequities with my participation. So, ta-da. <laughs> Fucking deliberate. <laughs> I was, I was. Have, have you met me? <laughs> I forget though. <laughs> Touch on a lot of. It's got. It's got. It. BJ has to finish. So Christian, you're next. Also, yeah. that was me calling um, Christian out, <laughs> <laughs> which is the thing that happens. All right. Thank before you. Before Christian starts, I'm gonna get beers for everybody, so you can start. You need one. You need one. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. You need two. No, I'm good. Uh, Hundred. How did you end up with both the purple ones? Because <laughs> I had one when I came in. <laughs> All right. Begin. Yeah, I'm not good at talking about myself. But okay, me either. Can I, can, I, can I prod you a little bit with that? <laughs> well, yeah, go. With some perspective. So upon meeting you, um, you're, you're, you take time before you answer a question. You think. Um, you typically back it up with knowledge or you back it up with the understanding that you might not know the answer to this question, but you're going to um, give us something relevant. And <laughs> I, no, don't, don't giggle. That's my perspective on who you are. And... In my mind, that's flattering. In your mind, you can you can tell us what that means for you. I think that that's something I'm, well, we'll be unpacking for the rest of my life. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I grew up. I, I like to I had this this theory about where where I come from as a person who comes from in between. In that, uh, I feel like a lot of my experiences, yeah, like 
dangle on that line of one place or the other or one type or the other. Um, I grew up uh, as a twin uh, from in a single parent household. Uh, my parents split up when uh, we were one year one years old, and uh, my I grew up with my mom. My dad was you know in a different state, so I saw him once a year. I mean, it's there's a lot of stuff, and maybe we can get into this some other time. Like it's an episode in and of itself. My dad was the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> the the dad episode. Um, Dude, he actually really was. My dad really <laughs> was the most interesting man in the world. Um, he even kind of looked like the guy in the ad. But anyway. Judging you, like, yeah, that's that's probably what happened. But, uh, yeah, so I saw him, like, once a year, maybe, if we were lucky. Um, he never had a phone. He was kind of nomadic. Um, so... Not a lot of presence in our life. So, you know, we really grew up raised by our mom. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty... Uh, most of male culture, male American male culture is pretty foreign to me. And that's actually made, uh, given me a very difficult time, like, making male friends in my life. Most of my, my friends are females. Same. You know, you know, oddly, I'm hanging out here with a group of dudes. I don't have any friends. Um, <laughs> oh, I don't know you that well, but thanks, man. <laughs> no, he was including you. You don't count. Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's it. Um, I hate myself the most. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and you know, my, my, my mom left my dad. She didn't have a college degree at the time. Um, and, you know, the initial years, like, we grew up rather poor. I mean, I, I guess I grew up straddling these lines. Like, I grew up, grew up straddling the line of poverty and, and, you know, experiencing, I don't know, the luxuries of wealth. Um, at some point, she, she put my brother and I in school, in a private school. Uh, we were the scholarship students, so that was kind of a weird experience, like, seeing wealth firsthand, but, and getting to, yeah, have some of those those luxuries, but at the same time, like being, uh, reminded that, you know, we were seeing it at a distance. Solid imposter syndrome. We weren't really part of that, you know, club. Um, you could talk about my high school reunion. That's a (laughs) real interesting story. By the way, I feel that when I hang out with any of my liberal friends. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry, I'm I'm not good at talking about myself. <laughs> You're doing a but that's great. That's job. part of I think that's part of it too. Like my parents um, never found the success that they probably deserved, and were both kind of insecure and and hid out. And uh, I think that was kind of passed down to my brother and I. Like both of us like have confidence issues and struggle to be a, a uh, have a voice in the world. So, I don't know. I don't know what else you guys want from me. All right, boss man. It's tough, man. It's tough to sum up your no, entire life. And it life. is. <laughs> I, I think there's there's a lot there, and and I got through it's hard to scratch at the surface. <laughs> well, no, um, that's that's perfect though, because yeah. that makes just setting whenever the, the yeah. yeah the more you let go about yourself as we move forward in this is going to be far more valuable than any bullshit I'm going to say because I just will <laughs> fucking vomit it all up at any just ask I whatever. Mean, and I I can I empathize with that 
a ton just because, you know, like I talked about moving a lot in yeah, terms I mean, of finding. You're kind of neither yeah. here nor there. Right, like. exactly. Like I, finding a home base, and this is something I hope to talk about a little bit more in, in future episodes is kind of talk to BJ about, you know, we've talked about how I'm probably the only person here who gives a shit about sports, but sports was kind of my lifeline back home when I was get out of here yeah (laughs) so so that's kind of something that provides an an interesting insight I can't really describe it that's very relevant because my mother was you know a hip a hippie and um her brother my uncle was was like an all-american athlete and uh there was a major culture clash between the two of them and uh, they kind of hated each other to the end, even though wow. they kind of loved each other to yeah. the end. Um, well, that, but, that, I mean, that's so relevant, though. We deal with that shit, right? Like, for me, my disdain for sports was because I was a fat kid. I mean, point blank, yeah. like, that that was a thing I couldn't do. And suddenly, I figured out I could play music, and I was like, well, that's the thing I do. Right. Fuck you, that's fucking fucks. Yep. And, like, that's yep. where I went with that. Yeah. But, like, it gave me a disdain that, that is ridiculous, and yeah. it persists, yeah. you know, for no reason. I don't well, have a reason to feel Yeah, that. I mean, I was raised thinking, like, people who like sports are those type of people. Right, And, like, right. you shouldn't be like those type mm-hmm. of people. I can't be like those type of people because I'm fat. So that's how I felt about <laughs> it. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, growing up and becoming aware of myself and the world, like, you know, there aren't those type of people. They're Finding just, that nuance. They're just people. other people. They're, yeah. like, you know, that like this other thing that maybe I just don't have experience or familiarity with. Exactly. But at the same time, it's also, you know, that's one of those things that's a major cultural social connector that I don't have in my bag to it's connect with people in a yeah. lot of situations. It's absolutely. a superficial icebreaker. Yeah, absolutely. And so many people and you know, that's another topic for another day, but yeah. like you know, you so many people night? don't no, actually no, wanna dive into anything real mm-hmm. and they look for right. let's talk about the weather. Right. Um and that's like the really easy, fun, superficial thing for, right. for men mostly to talk I mean, about. To play um, devil's advocate on there, you can't really like be, I mean, unless you're a meteorologist, you can't be like an expert on the weather, like in depth. You're like, oh man, it was raining yesterday, but it was yeah. raining because of the, the storm front that was coming in from the yeah, west. Yeah, but don't ask you know, me about the song right. that was just yeah, playing. Right. Yeah, instead you can say, oh, well, Can you believe they started that set? That was a Neapolitan six right. chord. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? Those douchebags. Right. Anybody? Nobody? All right, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, you played baseball. I did, yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that later. We will. All right. Your turn, BJ. Guys, it's BJ's turn. All right. Everybody. He shut never the gets fuck to talk. Up. He never gets to talk. <laughs> he, God, why does this always happen? <laughs> this this is your uh your your baby. So, you know, your your voice is uh I've but I've, I've I've yeah, all I'm right. Shut up. No, that was solid. Well, it is though because like like all right, so just to like preface that, like the, the reason I wanted to start this thing is because the conversations that I have with my friends when we're by ourselves are the things I think the world is missing. And that sounds arrogant to say by itself, but like No, you're right, we're pretty fucking great. No, it's not it's not about that. It's just like it's just <laughs> I've like I've had conversations with a million people in a million places, like all over the world, right? And the conversations that happen in the, the, the private context of these sort of situations are the things that I wanted to share with the world because I feel like they're relevant in a way that a lot of things aren't. They're just like, they're just regular people discussing things with like intensity. And like, if something happens in the world, we all, like, the, the thing we all have in common is like this heavy level of empathy, right? We can, we can really like sit in the shoes of somebody and go, fuck, that's fucked up. Let's talk about it. And it really has mattered. And it's always just occurred to me like, 
it just keeps happening. And it's not because of me. It's because the people I surround myself with. Like you always surround yourself with people who are better, right? Mm-hmm. That's how you get better in life. Like better, better, smarter. <laughs> Ish. Just, just not better. <laughs> Josh, you're not better. <laughs> I'm the worst. <laughs> well, like you're, all right. <laughs> that was, that was. It's because I'm from the deep <laughs> state, right? That, that, that was, was <laughs> kind of sending for all the right reasons. That was a low ass blow. <laughs> I know. And that, 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 it felt good for me. So that's all that matters. But Whatever, like, I can sing better than you. Hundred uh, percent true. You really can. Like that's the thing. That's no, why Josh I, is a motherfucker. Yeah, Josh. Josh has one of those ranges that like will just he just does it and it's like, fuck, I didn't know you could do that. Plus, all too. your fucking riffs are so Soundgarden. They're so Soundgarden. I would that's make more out. Robert I'm gonna me. make out with you later for that. I don't care. You can make out with him afterwards, but like them riffs, that's the shit. That's true. All right, so. I've, I've, I've like thought about my background a lot because I went to a lot of therapy to deal with it. <laughs> but like I had a, Wait, you went to therapy a lot. Of uh, therapy. I'm not allowed. I know it's I'm a, Southern. I, I can't, it's haven't a, brought myself to be able to do that. I was literally told I was, I should go to therapy today. I was, it was by us. <laughs> it was, we told him that no, not, not to, in, not to no, step all doctor. over BJ shit, but <laughs> that was my, the last thing I did that was Jewish after my bar mitzvah, I went to confirmation and I missed a bunch of classes and my rabbi brought me and my parents in to tell me that I could not be confirmed because I had missed too many classes, but that I should also seek therapy because I wasn't taking my faith seriously. <laughs> and at that point, my parents basically said, okay, we're done here. And they were like, I think you need to seek therapy. Did your rabbi realize if you went to therapy, that wasn't going to help you take your faith <laughs> right, more seriously? Right. That was you a mean, poor bet. You yeah. mean I saw through the bullshit and... Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. BJ. BJ. Hey, I was letting it happen. I will not call him Beach. That's fucking dumb. (laughs) It's like a sandwich. Beach A. My whole thing was like, my dad was a, a, he was a... Bartholomew? No. I don't know what the B stands for. It stands for Billiam. Actually, it kind of does what I'm about to say. So I'm just going to go ahead and throw a whole lot of stuff out there. My dad was like a really, really, really mean alcoholic, right? And he went through a whole lot of trauma when he was growing up. His dad died in a plane crash, an incredibly unpredictable midair collision in 1969. Oh, I forget the year exactly, but it was Piedmont Flight 22. And that created, he was 14 years old, and that created a person that didn't have a father growing up and had a lot of trauma to deal with and no real means to deal with that at that time, right? Like when you're a 60s male, like you have to be the alpha, but he was also kind of a crazy person to begin with. So that person was my dad, and he ended up being kind of a psychotic alcoholic later in life who also had like something to prove the entire time. So I was up against from like, I can talk until... I'm a functioning person up against that wall of like just a crazy person where you just, you just never really, you didn't ever do anything right. You never like look the right way. Like nothing's ever right. You're like, like somebody else's insecurities are the things you're always up against. Mm -hmm. So that's what I was up against as a kid. And it shaped a lot of things and made a lot of things wrong about me out of the, at the outset. Like, uh, my interpretation, like I just, I just thought about things the wrong way. I just I approached them the wrong way, and I realized that as I went through life. But that was like the, the 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 formative thing was that I was wrong and somebody else was right, and I allowed myself to live my life like that for a really long time. But in the same in the same environment, I also learned empathy, right? Because I saw the abuse happening to other people in front of me 
all the time. Every time I was around that person, that person was degrading somebody else. So I had no choice but to deal with that. So I, had, I, I ended up with this, uh, it's, it's technically called child of alcoholic syndrome or some like version of that, where you end up being a parent and you try to parent everyone all the time. So you see someone that's broken, you try to fix it. And that's was like my adolescence. It's also called white knight syndrome. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of things for it. Back in the day, it was called the black plague has taken the child and the child can no longer... Sorry, I, I just didn't mean to say kind of Why is it got to be white? You of us have this. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. we can we can bring some brevity to the situation. I have no problem with that. But that sort that of was sh- in brevity. We were all just admitting we're the same. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that that shit fucking fucked me up, and I had like crazy confidence issues for years, and like uh, it just it like you just never think you're good enough at anything that you do ever, right? You're always like you're always up against a bar. You're always trying to compete with an imaginary version of the thing that somebody else thinks about you. So. That was like my whole thing. But I also got extremely used to trauma, which is like, it's a thing that, that like that, that adjustment period of like understanding it, what it does to you and like how your brain reacts to it. Like I, I just understood that because I saw it every day or like every day I was around him and uh, it just sort of shaped the rest of the thing. And I like at first I was, you know, we talked about baseball. Like I was a baseball player, right? Never came to a baseball game. Or if I did, or if he did come, it was always like it was never a compliment. It was always a, a dig at something that I did. Should have done better. Should have done better, should have done better. Which is a weird it was like it would turn out to be a weird building block for the rest of my life because now my my sense of perfectionism is like psychotic. Mm-hmm. Like I won't do something unless I know that I can do it at the level that Do you have siblings? I've we can talk about them later, but there's three, two of them. What, what, what's your birth placement? I'm the middle. Okay. Yep. Oh, samesies. Oh, I know, baby. I know. I'm the oldest. You're I'm a twin. 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 So I just kind of plowed through what stuff for years with, with that thing kind of looming over my head. And then one day, somebody on, a, on, a, on the school bus, remember this, like it was fucking yesterday. This was like, this was like before and after. It's like this guy, Danny Rule. Handed me a tape. He goes, you got to listen to this shit. And I was like, <laughs> slowly gesturing over the table. <laughs> Looked at it. There's a naked baby with his dick hanging out like some water. This is Nirvana. Never mind. I was like, well, fuck this, whatever this is. Took it home. Went to my mom's cassette deck. Most pivotal, pivotal album of 1991. Yeah, right. Ladies and gentlemen. And this was 1994, so don't don't confuse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but bandwagon like, jerk. Well, not with, like <laughs> sell out. What, you know what's funny is like before that, my dad my dad was a drummer, right? He was a, a you know he did well back in the day, and he had a million records and a, a huge stereo that's sitting in the fucking another room of the shop. His drums it's, are in that room. It's a, it's a great stereo. Yeah, his stereo's over there. It's actually, it's yeah, it's pretty good. But uh, I just didn't care. Like I put on like Grateful. I remember p- pulling on a Grateful Dead record, putting it on and going, eh. Don't care. Beatles records were like, okay. And then this one moment, I put this thing in and I pushed the thing closed and I hit play and like everything changed. Like this dude screaming at me just made everything like, oh, somebody's as mad as I am. And I didn't realize how mad I was yet. So I dropped the baseball bat, picked up a guitar, started doing that. And then I dug in as hard as you can. Like I was, I just needed an escape from that more than anything in the world. I just had to get away from that thing where I was worth nothing and find this thing where I was worth something. So I rebuilt my shit. I stayed in my room and I practiced over. I just for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours every single day. And I stayed in there until something that I could describe as myself came out. Right. And that was my identity. So I just kind of carried that through music school and all that stuff. And, you know, 
played a bunch in bunch of bands and stuff, and that was all cool. But the the, the trauma just kind of hung over the whole thing. And then eventually, I went to therapy and kind of sorted that all out and figured out that trauma is something that we all have in common. And I ended up getting a, a an opportunity to go on these tours where I got to go overseas and actually hang out with and play with the troops who were deployed overseas. And that was the first time that, that empathy and like trauma really had a chance. Like I could really like understand somebody who was going through some shit. I remember like uh, the band I was in at the time, the Nicky Bar Band, we went to, we, we did a month in the Middle East. And this was, this was my first time out of the country. This is, I mean, it was such a formative experience that I can't really put it into words, but I went from just being like, a person with no direction to a person that like that that mattered to the world that had something to offer to the world for the first fucking time, and we we went on this tour. How and, old? How old were you? Uh, this was like twenty five. Okay, just curious. Everything to that point had just been sort of like you're just kind of going through the motions, you know, like we all are. Like you don't really know what your purpose is until you get somewhere. And I went over there, and I remember we played in Kyrgyzstan at this base in Kyrgyzstan, the only American base in Kyrgyzstan called Manus Manus Base, and uh, a guy came up to me that night and. We played, and I, you know, was self-conscious about it because I wasn't really... I, by the way, I joined that band as a guitar player, backup singer, and keyboard player, and I did that tour <laughs> as a drummer, which were, like, five months apart. So I had to relearn all this shit, which, again, was just, like, my psycho willingness to just, like, figure the shit out. Um, and I met this guy who just wanted to see his fucking kids. Like, he just wanted to see his family again. And... I was like, oh, this is like exactly what I've kind of been trained for. Like this moment where like somebody really needs somebody to talk to. And it's like, dude, I understand. Like I've just had like the, the, the getting shit on so many times. It just sort of like built me for this moment where I was just willing to have this conversation forever with this dude, as long as he wanted. And that was just the, the start of that. You know, the rest of the tour was meeting guys that miss their kids or miss their families or fucking didn't want to be there or just the whole, the whole tour was like, it was 30 days of just like fully ingrained with the military stuff, which most people don't get to do. Like you don't get to see like the, you know, if you have somebody who's in the military, you get to see, you get the emails, you get the like, Hey, everything's fine, mom. What you don't get is the, the, they get back from a, a patrol or whatever. And they're just like, somebody died and it's a bummer. Or you don't get to see what happens. Like, like I remember just more formative stuff. Um, we were on the base one day and I, we met this, this preacher, his name was Father O'Brien. And I'm like the most atheist dude in the world, but this motherfucker, he talked to the, like, this was, this was like God's representative on earth. This was a hardcore cussing, drinking Irish motherfucking preacher on a base in Afghanistan. And we, uh, me and my guitar player Island at the time, uh, stumbled across this dude and just started to talk about stuff. And he was, he, once he figured out that we could sort of hang with the conversation, he was like, hey, some guys died yesterday. And I had to, you know, send them off into the, the ether. And their, their, uh, their hero flights tomorrow, which is basically where they, they put them on the back of a Humvee with a flag and stuff. And you see the coffins go by. <clears throat> and we're like, we'll be there. Wouldn't miss it for the world. We will absolutely salute these dudes off into the next world. And, uh, I remember our, our POC on the base was like, hey, this is happening now. 
if you if you guys want to partake, like don't salute because you're not in the military, but you can go and observe. And we went to Disney Road in Bagram in Afghanistan, and we watched these Humvees drive by with people that were younger than me come by in them. And they loaded the, you watch the coffins go by, you watch every single person on the base salute as it comes down the road and you see it go down and it gets in the C-130 or the C-17 or whatever and then it goes away. And that changed me in a way that I just, like, I just can't unsee that. I see that, like, whenever I, I just think about that, I even found out who they were and I, I, I tried to contact their family to let them know that I was there. Like, one of the dudes, anyway. And I don't know where I'm going with that, but it was just like, there's, that there's certain things you see in life that change you forever, and that was one of the things that defined me more than anything else. And it gave me a sense of purpose, too. The next night, when we, we played a show, and there was guys, we met a tank crew over there, or a, a APC crew, and they come and hung, came and hang out with us a bunch when we were not playing. And then when the actual show happened, they showed up, and they were moshing and <laughs> with fucking machine guns on their backs, because you can't not have your machine gun over there, right? And, you know, the, we got to see these dudes who were just the most stoic, sad, not sad, just like, it's just fucking hard over there. It's just not, like, nothing's easy, everything's hard. Hardened. Hardened humans. But we got to watch them, like, open up and be, like, dudes for a second, and I thought that was awesome. And then that night, I met another guy who was 19 years old, and he was a fuel truck driver, and he had been in, I think, seven IED explosions. 19 it was like that just sent my empathy over the roof so we got back we did we did ended up doing three of those tours all over the world it was like 30 countries which was amazing it was a crazy experience if you just want to travel but it was an amazing experience if you want to get if you want to understand humans and kind of get where everybody's coming from and uh from that you know the band kept going like music kept being my my purpose and my passion and then I got approached by some guys at a, at a show in Bethesda, actually, Bethesda, Maryland. And it was this program called Musicor. And what Musicor does is they, um, they, wounded guys come back. Nobody really understands what happens at Walter Reed, right? Like when you come back, if you get your legs blown off, you go to Walter Reed. And you don't stay there for a month. You don't stay there for two months. You stay there for fucking two years like surgery after surgery after surgery after surgery after surgery and this is the guys that I had met when I was overseas and you know actually the guy (laughs) ironically Matthew Penland (laughs) is the guy that brought me into the program Um, he got blown up in Fallujah wait Fallujah? no Ramadi sorry Matt if you're listening Um, he's the one that dragged me into the program because he had seen our band play before I was in it in Kuwait and was like, hey, this band's playing at this place. Would they need a drummer? They need a drum instructor for one particular dude, and they sought me out because I just happened to be in that band. But I also happened to have the experience of like dealing with veterans before they were veterans, you know, all that thing. And it's just, you know, the Walter Reed experience is something that most people don't get to see or want to see, or I mean, really, they need to see, is to see the guys that. You know, when your government makes makes a decision to send people into harm's way, that's the results of it. You know, you get to see guys with no legs and one arm, or you know, a leg missing, or any combination of those things. And that all played into like the the I had such a basis of trauma growing up that I could at least understand them on a basic level. So that 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 
that program just emphasized what, what happened with that. And then I ended up in another program that was at a jail teaching adolescent sex offenders music. And that was another thing that tied into that stuff. But it's just like, it's just music and trauma, harmful though they are, brought me to this life that I can't describe properly, you know? So I just, I, I find myself in this position and I just want to convey to people that it's okay. What, whatever it is. I feel like that's the overarching theme. I think like that's all of our story is that some element of being able to see both sides of, uh, of these arguments, e- e- even if we do consider something ridiculous or not equivalent or um, biased in one way or the other, we, it, none of us are, nobody, I think, is the prototypical conservative or liberal that they're being painted to be. You know? No, we're all fucking humans. That's, right. the, that's the essential thing. And I think that's what we're all attempting to get across in some form or another. And, and I mean, our individual experiences right. can be incredibly sobering or, 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 you know, whatever. And it doesn't take away the fact that there's got to be, it's got to be common ground. I Humanity. Mean, four of us found common Humanity ground. Our is backgrounds common ground. are fucking weird. Yeah. We have weird, non-intersecting backgrounds right. that put us all in the moment we're in now. And that's got to be true for a larger cross-section of the country, of the world. And that's the point of all this, right? Like, we're just trying to speak to people um, and, and help them maybe, maybe think twice before they immediately judge somebody else who's sitting across from them, right? right. Um, that, that, at least for me, that's yeah. my takeaway. And, and it's important for, ex- exactly, for us to be able to have these conversations and recognize the humanity in each and every one of us and that we're not, and, you know, we may go a little... <laughs> off the rails in this podcast on occasion in terms of criticizing certain perspectives, but we know that not ev- nobody is exactly what is being portrayed of maybe their political persuasion right. in in like the media. Or, We're all or anything right. Any exactly. experience you've had doesn't negate any other experience. You've right. Had. You can be super fucking wrong about something right. and still be valid in some other way. Right. And, and, and we've talked about, like, last week in terms of there's nobody that we may – there's probably nobody that you agree with on every single point 100% of the time. And that's okay. And it's absolutely okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's humanity. It's, I want to kill Josh I mean, like 15 times a day, but <laughs> – I want to kill myself like 15 <laughs> times a day. And, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's important to recognize that, that, that we're not perfect and we can't. And I think a lot of the problems come when we're having these discussions, particularly when it involves politics. We pick these straw man arguments and, and we have these discussions and we criticize people for what we assume they believe without getting, taking the opportunity yeah. to understand what yeah. those beliefs are. I know I've done that to people and I know people have done that to me. And I want to do it less. Right. And that's the point of talking with four people three right. people who that I, I think are smarter than me and can educate me when I'm doing that right and if we all did that if we all attempted to do that I think that would fix a lot of these inequities I would love to get some questions from people on yeah. our Facebook page and about like with challenge, with conservative perspectives yeah. and yeah, yeah that, that can challenge us on something and, and ask us what we believe on a certain subject and, 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 and not because right. I feel defiant about it right but because more I'd like to know where I'm wrong well if, right. I think what we're ultimately trying to do is just have a conversation. And I think the, the thing that's wonderful about the, the format of podcasts is it creates this level of interest, intimacy, whether you're actually participating in the, the space, you know, with the people in the conversation or whether you're just listening. 
you know, often you're listening in headphones in this way that like makes you feel like you're part of the conversation one way or the other. Um, I wonder, you know, maybe some attempts we can invite in some ways viewers in, like maybe do a live stream or something like that. But it's like ultimately we're trying to have a conversation, like people having an open, and I I think that's the key word, is like open conversation. We're so directed towards being closed and... Um, I'm hesitant to use the word, but it's it's there's a you know precedent of it, but there's some controversy of it. But saying like the tribalism of like finding your 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 people or your connection, right. and I understand you know yeah that's part of our disclaimer. But but the the thing is we are your people. Well, yeah, the the, the I'm going with the word tribalism just in general, and <laughs> that there's some insensitivity and in historical right. bias and oppression and all their bullshit that's associated with a word but but ultimately i think the you know when everybody's you know when people are using that they're using it in this like really primitive human sense of beings that are insecure and vulnerable and disconnected in the world trying to find something that makes that seems familiar and and comfortable and you know creates a a blanket of security And And, and just to clarify what something that you said in terms of people submitting things to find out where you said, find out where you're wrong. It's not necessarily that we want to find out where we're wrong. It's want to find out the other perspective so we can adjust our perspective accordingly. And whether or not we agree at the end doesn't necessarily matter. It's more than okay to not agree. I would like to to point out the fact that I'm 100% okay with saying I'm so wrong. So (laughs) fucking wrong. And I do feel like that is something that the sort of patriarchal um, dominant attitude. We're not, I'm, not, I'm not even supposed right. to say that. Like, right. what, that's a sign of weakness, right. you know? And like, I feel really strongly, oh, first of all, so wrong, <laughs> so, <laughs> so often. And I also feel really strongly about this idea that like, if, if the four of us collectively can do anything, that we can take intelligent people and help them understand that both their ideas are heard and at the same time maybe some ideas that they're not looking for could also be heard, right? Like some intersection of all of that is available. And and I want to be a conduit for that. That's important to me. So 100%. Gentlemen, I think we've hit the end of this one. I think so. Good, because the fucking power's going to go out again. <laughs> I don't want to be the one to... You really have, send this you off. You have to. I start it. You finish it. Can I? Can I? Can oh, can me and Josh do it on the count of three? Uh, you're fucking with my OCD. But one. Good night, motherfuckers. Oh, I thought you. I, you I Josh counted. He one two I three me. One two three. But then BJ started counting. He threw I don't care what you he. Literally <laughs> asked fucking. Count. What a turd. Good night, motherfuckers.